0: Two, one, yeehaw! Hello, Anthony Jeselnik. How are you, sir? Great,
1: Joe. What's Good to see up, you. What's going on,
0: buddy? Are you uh, fully committed to the beard now?
1: Yeah. I want to keep it as long as I can. Are you going really to go Mountain man?
0: Or are you no, I, just trim. Do you trim it, a little?
1: I trim it a little bit. Uh, I just let, like the lady who cuts my hair trims it every like four weeks when I go in for a haircut. But I don't touch it at all. I'm afraid if I tried to trim it, I would just ruin it. Mm. Uh, but I love love having a beard.
0: Why do you love having a beard?
1: It is like it's like sunglasses for the bottom half of your face. Oh, you, you can know what I mean.
0: Hide from the world,
1: kind of. Yeah, ah. it, like, it, it, it chills me out a little more.
0: Mm. You know? Yeah,
1: especially on stage. Like when I, I'm, you're under the lights, you know, uh, and I'm, I, my lip would start to get a little bit sweaty. And then I'm thinking about my lip and I'm like, should I wipe this? Should I move it? And then I start to sweat more. But now that I have the beard and mustache, my lip gets a little sweaty. You can't tell. So I don't get more anxious over mm. it. Uh,
0: Interesting. Yeah. So you used to like think, mm, boy, there's a little couple of beads mm-hmm. on that upper lip.
1: Yeah. And I'm like, can they see it? Should I wipe? <laughs> is it like, is it too much if I'm wiping? Like I uh, it drives me crazy.
0: You know what gets me? Boogers. If I think I have a booger, like, a, like what is going on with my nose? What is that? Is that a booger? Shit. Can they see that? Oh, I check for sure before I go on stage. <laughs> there's always a booger too, but, check. Yeah. So, but I, I'm i so uh, animated and I'm always yelling and screaming. I'm always worried that something is like hanging off the tip of my nose Yeah. and the people in the front row can't enjoy enjoy like what the <laughs> fuck man your nose bro never had that
1: i've had like definitely a fly down situation oh but yeah never uh never never like a booger that
0: uh ruined the show those are two things that people love to laugh at your fly down and if you put a beer down on stage and the foam comes over the top like oh yes. my god your beer's coming <laughs> yeah. those are those things right Mm-hmm. Yeah. H- high humor yeah high humor sweat like, like weird sweat stains. Like, um, when I've done specials, speaking which Anthony Jeselnik's new comedy special comes out tonight. I hear Yep, this uh, evening. Midnight, I guess. Midnight? Netflix does it. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Excited. Very excited. Well, I've been seeing your set. It's fucking fantastic.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I think this is the best uh, I've ever done. So I'm, uh, I'm pumped for it.
0: It's the beautiful thing about comedy, man. Keep working, keep paying attention to it. You get better at it. Mm-hmm. You know, really? I mean, Dom, Herrera and I had this conversation just a couple of months ago. He's like, Joe, he goes, I've never been better. He goes, I'm fucking a thousand years old. Because I've never been better at comedy.
1: Yeah. As long as you don't quit. You yeah, know, you don't you don't you don't ever get worse, I don't think.
0: Right. You don't as long as you don't give up. Because yeah. some guys don't quit, but they give up. Exactly. Yeah. They just go through the same
1: material every single time. You're like, What, what are you doing here? You're just like you're just trying to get out of the house. <laughs> you're not trying to get better. Uh, there's a little of
0: that. Yeah. 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 It's like if you're not right that's I guess that's the difference between also guys who put out Specials, Or I say women, too. Or, and people who don't. Some mm-hmm. people just don't put anything out. Yeah. You know?
1: yeah. Once you put it out, like, I put it out because I'm like, I'm, I'm done with this now. It's getting boring. It's not going to get better. It's as good as I can make it. But because of that, then I have to come up with a new hour.
0: You but have a pretty specific schedule you like to follow, too, right? If I'm correct?
1: I try. I did, a, I did a year in LA, like at the store every night, you know, and like once a month I do Largo and, and try it all out at once. And then uh, at the end of that year, I had about 40 minutes, went to clubs for a year, every weekend for a year. And then once that, oh, I had the hour after that, then I did a year of theaters. Mm-hmm. And at the end of that year, I taped the special and,
0: and, uh, and was done with it. So you're on like a three-year plan?
1: Pretty much. <clears throat> yeah. And that uh, might yeah. change, you know, as I've gotten older. Uh, the idea of a four-year plan sounds a little bit nicer, and ah. uh, you know you have other things going on that uh, that it's not as I'm not
0: as worried. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah um, I was trying. Uh, I think two years seems to be right for me, but it might be better to give it a little more time, right? Just a little more time to tighten things up and polish, and you know, add layers and mm-hmm. m- act extra punch. It's like you, you know those guys like. In, when I started out in Boston, there was guys that had been doing the same set forever. And there's pros and cons to that. And the pro is, goddamn, they had that shit down tight. Where it was just punchline, rapid punchline, pause, punchline. They knew the the economy of words was perfect. There was no f- no fat in the bits. They had they had tightened all that stuff up. Yeah,
1: my one of my biggest fears is like taping the special. And then coming up with like a great tag. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that, I want it to be done when I shoot it because that feeling is awful.
0: Yeah, That's it's the worst. I've yeah. done that.
1: Yeah. So have I. It sucks. <laughs> it sucks.
2: <laughs>
1: I've actually what do? You I've do? Gone back in, I, w- I once went back in uh, my last special thoughts and prayers. I ADR'd a line. I like walked off stage and was like, oh, fuck. I should have used this word and I, it just occurred to me in the moment that I was using the wrong word. So I went back and ADR'd it and you can obviously tell it's like, <laughs> it's like me talking and then it's like clearly a different, vo- like a different voice, uh, just one word, but I had
0: to what do ADR stand for. I know what it means, but what does it stand for? Jamie knows. Oh, yeah. He's an actual audio yeah. guy. <laughs>
2: automated dialogue replacement. And why it's automated is lost in my head forever, but that's what it means. So.
0: Ah, okay. <clears throat> I wouldn't have guessed that in yeah. a million years. I would have never. I knew what it meant. I've done ADR, yeah. but I did it like Fear Factor, like every episode I had it do ADR. It was the worst why did you because you were just mispronouncing names or you would? Well, it was usually because they wanted to tighten segments up like you know we would film for three days and we'd have to slam that down to 44 minutes Mm. so sometimes you needed brevity or sometimes they needed clarification for certain things like like we would explain the rules to them like very specifically and they would have to read these rules and it took a long time but then, like, sometimes in the moment, like, on television, you wouldn't explain it as clearly, like, mm-hmm. while we we're filming. Like, when we, would, we would show them, like, this is what you have to do. This is what you have to start here. You go from here to there. But sometimes when you would want to put it on TV, you'd want to be more precise or more concise. Yeah. So, I would every fucking week, I had to do ADR. I hated it. You did? Yeah. It seems
1: like it would be fun. Like fear not, Factor? Not, uh, fear Factor, but just ADR seems like easy, it's relaxed, you're just in the booth.
0: No, it was boring. No? No, I didn't like it. Yeah. No, no the, the fun thing about Fear Factor was when the checks came. That was a fun <laughs> thing. And then when nice people won, that was fun too. Yeah. Those, those things were fun. But really, that was, that was a great job, but it was a job. It was like a job. Like, you know, if you had a, a great, like, yeah, I really like working here. Whereas, you don't really say that about stand-up. No, I mean I don't think about it as a job. It's just fucking fun. It's yeah. awesome. Oh, absolutely,
1: you know? absolutely. It's a get to do.
0: Yeah, a get to do. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> that's my new thing. It's like get to do versus have to do.
0: <laughs> How long have you been doing it now? Uh, almost seventeen years. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that crazy to, to say?
1: It did. It, it, it blows me away. Like seventeen years just seems like seems like forever. And I had had in my head that like twenty was a, an important number. Like, when you get to 20, that means something, and I I think I must have made that up. Like, people say 10 years is a big deal, Yeah, but 20 doesn't seem to, uh, like, I thought that was like, that's when you're
0: really relaxed. 10 years seems like you're a pro. Like mm-hmm. When I see someone, I'm like, how long have you been doing it? 11 years. All right. I buy it. You know, but when someone says six years, I'm like, good luck. Mm-hmm. You might quit. Yeah. <laughs> I hate the people who are like, I've been doing
1: it for like 12 years. When's the last time you got on stage? uh 6 months ago. Oh. Uh no, no. you started doing stand up 12 years
0: ago. Yeah.
1: Uh you've not been doing it.
0: Yeah, you got to go fuck yourself. Yeah. yeah. if you're not if you take those people that take like giant chunks of time off and then come back, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, want to go on the road with you like, "Hey man."
1: Yeah, it's like no, that's yeah. not how this works. You got to yeah. be you got to be putting in the work yourself. <laughs> Otherwise why why am, I, why am I doing you a
0: favor? Yeah, well, it's just it's one of those things. Like if you wanted to run a marathon, you have to run all the time, mm-hmm. or you're going to be really, ho- so- really sore and tired when it's over. You know, and you're not going to really be able to do it. Yeah. You want to be able to actually do it and really run. Mm-hmm. This is the same with stand up. For whatever reason, it seems so fucking easy when you're watching. When, yeah. when you're watching someone do it, it seems, this is one of the reasons why everyone thinks they can do it because it's just we're just talking. It's not like we're doing Cirque du Soleil up there.
1: Mm-hmm. And some people are like, "Oh, that's not that funny. I could be not that funny,
0: you know? <laughs> like, it's not that it's not that big a deal." Yeah, you could. Yeah, maybe. Uh huh. Yeah. When you started out, where'd you? What city did you start in?
1: Here, Los Angeles. Did
0: you really? Yeah. Where? What was your first club?
1: I uh, my first ever show was at the Belly Room in the Comedy Store. No I took a shit. class. I took a class, uh, Greg Dean. Uh, like I, w- I was working at Borders Books and Music. It was my first job in LA. Remember that play, like that yeah. big bookstore? And I, they, I just found the thinnest book on stand up comedy that they had and bought that and uh read it at the end it was like this guy teaches a class in Santa Monica so you went and uh, people were like surprised that I took a class it's like the class didn't teach me how to be like this it just kind of gave me the courage to go to open mics and uh and and I don't think I could have just gone to an open mic I was too scared for that I was like 23 uh but after the class you know I had a seven minute set that I would go and uh, go and do
0: what did the class teach you? Like, how do they, how do they start a class out?
1: If, like, the, there were two sessions. It was, like, it was like beginning and advanced. And they would talk a little bit about joke structure. They would talk about like simple things like taking the mic out of the stand, you know, like but be careful because some people walk up and they take their teeth out. You know what I mean? And like, <laughs> things like don't run the light, show up early, like things that were just um, may not have been common sense, but it, like, it gave me comfort to know the rules uh, so that I could try to break them. Mm. You know, uh, later on and then did a set at the, uh, belly room, like with a bunch of other, like people in the class who are all terrible. None of them are doing stand-up anymore. And I like <laughs> killed, like I thought I killed. I had the tape, I sent it out to everyone. And one of the jokes from that first set I ended up using in the Donald Trump roast.
0: Really? So I was
1: like, Oh wow, maybe there's like some gold in there. And I went back, you know, ten years after I did it, and watched the set again, and had a panic attack watching myself. Like <laughs> what, the way it was in my head was not what was on uh, was not what was on screen. It was it was bad.
0: Do you think that's like just like psychological protectants that you throw up? To, I mean, what is it that makes you think that you were better? back in the day
1: i think it's excite it's excitement right you know and just being stupid you know like when people get into stand up later on in life i'm like I-, I i don't know if you can do this because you have to kind of be dumb enough to go through the things you have to do when you start <laughs> out but i'm glad i was 23 when i was running around to open mics and yeah. uh and not knowing
0: any better that's a really good point yeah yeah i was 21 i was really dumb
1: yeah did you, you just went right to an open mic or
0: yeah well um I went to an open mic to watch first, and that's what gave me the courage to go on stage. Because I had always thought like stand-up comedy was going to be Jerry Seinfeld or Richard Pryor. And if you go there, like you know, and I had wrote a bunch of stuff, and I had practiced a bunch of stuff into a tape recorder, and it was terrible. But you know, I was trying to say it like a comedian. But then when I went to an open mic and I realized how bad some of those people are, I was like, well, I can be that bad. I can do that. I, can, I know I could pull off what they're doing.
1: Yeah, there's something about like performing for comedians that really angered me. Like if, if an audience wasn't laughing, it was like, all right, whatever. But if comedians, it's like, no, you guys should get me. That like <laughs> really ticked me off. That I like, didn't have any friends in the open mic uh, community. That would laugh? No, like I didn't have friends at all. Like I, would just, I was just the guy who showed up and, and did a set and would just get angry and angry. So I would like Why? pick a Why guy. You angry? Because I was mad that they didn't, they, they didn't get that I was funny. <laughs> you know, and it was like, I, it's my job to prove it to them. But I was like, these people should understand that I'm, uh, that I'm funny. Like, there's something about, if a comedian that doesn't like me or doesn't like respect what I do, I'm just like, I, I can't believe you're a comedian.
0: Like, I really feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> That's a funny way of looking at it. Well, it's one of those things where you want to be good so bad, you'll sort of convince yourself that you're good. Or you convince yourself that you're better than you are. Like, I remember the feeling of being at an open mic night and not being sure whether or not I was going to go on stage or not having a spot. And watching these guys going, God damn it, I want to go up there. If I got up in front of that crowd right now, I could kill. Mm -hmm. You just convince yourself that you were good.
1: Yeah, I mean, I knew that my performance was bad. I knew I was, like, funnier than what I was putting out there. And that was what frustrated me. It's like, I've got to keep writing new jokes to get to to be able to prove myself to get to your potential. You know, exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a it's a it's an interesting thing because it it occurs in almost everything that's difficult to do. It's like you see the path, you're like, "Okay, I just keep go." Like martial arts for example, it's a perfect perfect example. It's like You'll practice with a white belt and you kind of think like, oh, I kind of get this. I'm going to get good at this. I'm going to be real. And then you'll practice with someone who's really good, who does it every day and is a black belt and you just feel helpless and you feel like, God damn it, I'll never get to that spot. Mm-hmm. And that, that, I used to feel like that about stand up. There was a guy when I first started out, you probably never heard of him, but he's one of the best comics of all time. His name is Teddy Bergeron and he was a, a Boston legend and he had a problem with substances to put it mildly. And um, he, his timing was impeccable. He went on The Tonight Show, like, back in the day, and he would play piano as well. And uh, he had, like, like the ultimate set on The Tonight Show. I mean, just fucking murdered. Sat on the couch with Johnny, I mean, and just was killing it. And just super, and then went off the rails. Like, the pressure of success and everything, and pills and booze and woo! Yeah. And the whole thing. But... When I was an open um one of the early, early sets that I did, I remember I did a set <clears throat> and then he went on, you know, there was a bunch of open micers and then some professionals would hop on and do like. Five, ten minutes and he went up and did that and he was so fucking good and so polished I almost quit <laughs> I, was really? like, I was like what am I doing I'm terrible I don't have a point of view I don't I don't have perspective I don't have that kind of timing I definitely don't have that kind of swagger like he had a like a casual swagger you know on stage did you have like an idol
1: like someone you were trying to be as a stand-up? <clears throat> um, like in the beginning, it
0: was a, probably a bunch of guys. I sounded a lot like Richard Jenny in the beginning. Mm. I was kind of stealing, like almost stealing his timing. And then I realized that one time, one time I was on stage and I heard myself sound like him. And I was like, "All right, I gotta fix this." Yeah, you know, I like, did
1: that with a, with David Tell in New York. Everybody I would, like, did a Tell. I, I would run downstairs <laughs> and watch a, a Tell set. And then one day, I I caught myself not doing one of his bits, but like one of his mannerism kind of things. Yeah, it's just fun to do. And I felt, I was like, I got to stop this. And I went and told Esty, uh, the woman who books the comedy seller, I was like, I got to stop watching Dave Attell. And I said it like, a uh, confessional. And I thought she was going to be like, you're not a real comic then, everyone watches Attell. And she goes, good. Like, more people should stop watching Dave Attell. Like, <laughs> people are just ripping him
0: off. And I understand why. But well, uh, he's got such a bizarre sense of timing. And it's mm-hmm. so infectious. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Just so, so fun. Yeah. So fun to watch. I've known Dave for like... 28 years i think and he's always been like that he's yeah. always had that very strange way of talking yeah you know oh it's a box
1: <laughs> i've known him f- maybe 10 years and i don't know him at all you know what i mean like, we've like talked a couple of times but i don't know anything about the guy yeah uh, and i think I, I met him after he had quit drinking so i think he was a different uh, oh a different yeah
0: guy. oh yeah i knew him in the heart When he was on that show, Insomniacs, Mm -hmm. and he was getting blasted out of his gourd every night, every night, he was going to these places, and it was killing him. Yeah. And he stopped doing the show for that very reason, because everywhere he would go, it would just be shots, 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 and... And then he, uh, one time I, met, I ran into him at the improv and it was like 1 o'clock in the morning and I was headed home and he's like, hey, is there an after party? Where do we go? I was like, where do we go? Like, go home. Like, <laughs> go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. And then the next time I saw him, he was totally sober. He's one of those guys, though, that got sober and didn't stop being hilarious. No. A lot no. of guys do. Yeah. Oh, and They yeah. sober up and then they become annoying. Mm-hmm. And then they want to talk about their sobriety. Oh. <sighs>
1: I cannot stand. Blah! I can't stand recovering <laughs> addicts and that,
0: they, they drive me. crazy. Yeah, man, they're worse than people who just find yoga. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They just won't shut the fuck up about recovery. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm guilty of that with many things. I, if I get into something, I can't shut the fuck up about it, but I get it. You know, for them, it's like this pivotal moment in their life where all of a sudden they have their shit together, mm-hmm. and they just want to talk about it all the time. The thing that drives me nuts, though, is when they judge.
1: Yes, and they always get a little judgy. They're like, "Are you sure? Like, do you need that last drink?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I do, and I can handle my shit, so yeah. leave me
0: alone." Hey, I'm super sorry you got that fucked up gene. Yeah, yeah,
1: whatever. Yeah, I'm it sorry is, bro. you went too far with it, but I'm, yeah. I've got it under control. I
0: like being a little buzzed. Mm-hmm. I like it. Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm l- luckily the drugs and in the, in the drinking that I do. It's uh, you know, I, if I'm going to drink, I drink high quality stuff. Uh, smoke a little weed, but the, uh, the other drugs don't really do it for me.
0: Have you fucked with the other drugs? What oh, have you yeah, I've
1: tried just about everything. Really? Yeah, and it's just like, not for me, like I've done cocaine and the next day I've been like, I just feel stupid. Like I feel like everything that came out of my mouth last night was dumb. I feel like hell. Uh, I enjoy, uh, weed chills me out. Uh, I like beer and wine and, and, uh, and vodka and whiskey.
0: I have not done a lot of things. I've never done mescaline or peyote, which is basically, I think they're pretty much the same thing. I've never done um coke i've never done meth i've never done any real amphetamines i've I've always been scared of those though because those are the ones that i've seen people like really lose their lives for
1: yes i I don't mess with amphetamines at all and i don't enjoy it uh someone who grinds their teeth you know like that that's that's awful and i found like with with comedy you can't be funny on cocaine I'm always shocked at comics who do do, who do cocaine and are funny because I just find it to be like you're not. I can't laugh at anything and I can't like I'm talking too fast. My timing's off, right? uh, right, And like I'm not thinking in a funny way. but I've always been surprised at comics
0: who have coke problems. Yeah, Joey Diaz talked about that because Joey Diaz did coke for years, but he doesn't. He's never done coke and gone on stage. He goes. He goes every time I tried it, I was fucking terrible. He goes. It it takes away your soul, your heart. You got no heart when you're up there yeah you know they i guess again i've never done it but uh what i get is just i get that whole sh- speedy thing where you just like your your sense of how people are perceiving you is distorted mm-hmm. and timing is distorted yeah
1: like i don't even go on stage high i will mean, may have a couple beers i don't want to be slurring but mm-hmm. if i even smoke smoked pot at all that day it's a worse show for it really yeah
0: i wonder why that is
1: i think i'm just i'm just in my own head You know, it it makes me want to get through the set as opposed to being present and enjoying it. Like, I just want it to be over so I can go chill out, Mm, you know? That's interesting.
0: It's only uh, only with weed. One of my favorite things to do when I would take guys on the road with me is get them so high that they could barely talk and then put them on stage. <laughs> That's what, Dude, the first,
1: the first two guys I would open for on the road, it was uh, Doug Benson and oh, Brian Posant. Jesus Christ. And they were like, they wanted to smoke all day. Yeah. That I was like, uh, every time I was a feature act, like almost every time I was a feature act, I was terrible. Because I, and I thought like, I have to smoke. I have to smoke uh, with these guys so they won't take me on the road. But I'm like barely getting through this half hour yeah.
0: and I'm terrible. It's not a smart move for someone who's just getting going. To be that high on stage, but one time I did I was uh, I I really didn't smoke pot until I was 30 Like really smoke pot, but I did it a handful of times when I was younger and one time When I was like, uh 21 I was living with my, my buddy jimmy and uh Him and one of his friends came over and he had pot and we smoked some pot during the day I think we had a barbecue or something And then I had a gig like six hours later. I was still high and I remember being on stage and and my timing was excellent and i was so locked in and focused and i I remember being terrified that i was going to be terrible terrified but i I really nailed it for whatever reason but then i never did it again and i was like boy i I got away with it you know and then i started smoking when i was 30 and it kind of changed my act like it, it made my act from like it made my act more introspective. I started talking about weirder subjects and more interesting things. Th- I started talking about things that I was actually more interested in.
1: Did you start to write on stage more when you were high on stage?
0: Yeah, I kind of always have written on stage a little bit, but mostly um, mostly like tangents. Like I'd go off on a weird branch. If, if I knew how to get back to the river, right, I would take like a weird stream off to the right and then mm-hmm. just as long as I knew how to get back to the river of whatever the fuck I was talking about, I'd be fine. But when I'm high, I'll just like go wandering through the woods. Like I'm not, I'm not even concerned about the river. I'm like, yeah. you know, there's the river of thought, the pattern that you're following. But when I'm high, I'm like, what, what, who the fuck wants that? And the, why, why would you be that person? And then I'm, I start thinking like, I remember when I was a kid and then I'll just like out of nowhere, have this idea and I'm hoping it's going to go somewhere. And those moments, I feel like, they're like, it's like foraging for food. Like, occasionally you find it. Mm -hmm. Like, if you go out looking for mushrooms, you don't know where they are. You might find edible mushrooms. Hopefully, you're going to find them. Sometimes you won't. Sometimes you come home with an empty basket. But sometimes you get them. And the only way you find out is if you forage. And that's kind of what it feels like when I'm high on stage. It's like, okay, okay, it's going to... But then I'm also really worried that i'm gonna be boring like i want to be i I know these people paid to see i I know i'm trying to develop material but i also know i'm entertaining these people in the present so it's like a fine line
1: yeah i don't have that confidence to waste the audience's time (laughs) do you know what i mean like i like i'll see chris rock yeah chris rock's a friend of mine and he'll go up and just like with nothing yeah and just sit there and, and like very comfortably for 45 minutes And just and just and just kind of talk and look for things and has no problem with it whatsoever. And I'm like, "What else? What else?" He'll go, "What
0: else? What else?" And he'll like stare at the sky, look at the ground. I I can't. You know who was the master at that? Was Damon Wayans? Oh my god! Who a lot of people have forgot. A lot of people forgot was one of the fucking still is one of the best comics ever. Day- Damon was a goddamn murderer in the '90s. Oh, I, mean, I loved murder. him coming
1: up. But I, I remember going to the Ha Ha Cafe. Uh, they would do like a show every Tuesday that my friends would run, and Damon Wayans would always drop in and do an hour and ruin the show like he would have no material and he would just attack people in the crowd and by the time he was off stage like the audience was furious like they were they went crazy when he came out and then by the end they were just like why is he doing this to us and we like we were like oh fuck damon wayne's this year it was so funny really? somebody you like looked up to as a kid and like loved you're just like oh man this asshole again
0: wow that's crazy i yeah. wonder why he was doing that i mean i guess it was probably because he couldn't do it at the store anymore yeah. What, how how many years ago was this?
1: God, I mean, at least at least ten, twelve, thirteen years ago. Yeah.
0: See, that puts it. That's that makes sense, right? Because that's around two thousand five. Yeah. That's like probably he stopped going to the store. The store probably tightened up the way they used because they used to just let anybody just drop. Like Eddie Griffin would drop in. wasn't on the wasn't on the schedule. He would drop in at nine p.m. and get off stage at three a.m. and yeah. that was real. Yeah. Yeah, that was real. Six hours. <laughs> that would kill me. That would kill me. <laughs> and, uh, and then when he was done, he would be like, who's next? <laughs> who's next? Who's next, dude? You did six hours. Like, what's, what's the
1: longest set you've ever done?
0: I think an hour and 40 minutes. Maybe a little longer. I don't remember. But I think an hour and 40 minutes is probably the longest I've ever done. Yeah. Yeah. But that's too long. Uh, too long. Yeah. An hour and 20 is more than anybody should ever have to hear you talk. Yeah. And even that is like pushing it. What I like I like I like to do when I do like a theater, I do an hour or an hour and 10, and I just I just want to just start and then finish. Just come on. Go. Ready, and then for 1 hour, I want everything to be tight and concise and I would way rather have an hour and 10 minutes that people really enjoyed versus an hour and a half where they're like, oh, an hour of it was really funny. Because mm-hmm. then it leaves you with this, even if it's the same hour, that extra time.
1: I also just think the audience doesn't want to see more than an hour of comedy. No. Like, it's like, it, like people are like, oh, I did three hours the other night. Like, <sighs> why? Like, yeah. the audience must have hated it. Like, Chappelle used to drop in at the cellar. He and, like, Dan Cook were going back and forth, like, who could do the longer set longest like,
0: ever world record right they yeah. have like world records yeah and then yeah. i
1: think bob marley eventually broke it or something uh bob
0: marley from maine yeah. oh yeah didn't he do like two days on stage yeah, or something? Like, something insane. Bitches. <laughs>
1: and uh but I, chappelle was down there one time and i was like oh i'm gonna go check it out and it was like almost unwatchable yeah because it was like the pacing that they had that you have to do in order to be on stage that long and he was funny but yeah. it would be like not funny for long stretches then a big punchline.
0: yeah and then back into it you're like all right like that was great. when dave was on hiatus right mm-hmm. that was when dave kind of like took time off of comedy for a long time
1: he i mean kind of like he wasn't doing specials but right. i think he was doing like surprise shows like yeah. he was always always kind of on tour in weird venues he's still doing that now you know yeah. he's not always doing like big big giant theaters so like he'll just want to book like a 20 seat
0: room yeah and uh make his agents crazy well he's been doing <laughs> he's been doing the lab at the improv that little tiny room which is really? what 50 50 seats maybe yeah, yeah, he did it. Aziz did it. That's a that's a place where comedy dies. That little fucked up room. I have always hated that room. That room sucks f- every dick on the planet. When people are like, <laughs> oh, you can try new stuff. It's like, I
1: can try new stuff in the main room yeah. for a good crowd. Like, why do I want to uh, do this little terrible room? I don't know why it's even there.
0: Well, it's a weird one was because the belly room is perfect. The mm-hmm. belly room works. Yeah. But some, for some reason, that lab seems like, why is there comedy here? What is Why is the door right there? Why is the street right there? What is this? Yeah. What is this here? What I, do you got going on here? Everything about it is bad. Yeah. Like I, t- I was trying to tell them. I go, turn that into the comic screen room. Like, no, there's good comedy there. I'm like, shut your mouth. You shut your mouth. You turn that into the comic screen room. <laughs> yeah. They used to be where the bar was, remember? They used to be like where everybody would hang out before the show. It was great. It was great. And you'd go in the other room to go on stage, and you would go from that part to go on stage. Now everybody goes from the front door to go on stage, so you're trapped in that little hallway, Mm -hmm. and you're like, where the fuck, how do I, where do I hide?
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's nowhere to hide. That's why I love the store so much, Yeah, because there's so many
0: places to hide. But the store has that little problem with the OR, like when you right before you're about to go on stage, and you're in the hallway, and
1: yeah, I don't like the hallway, but I like those seats on uh, against the back, yes. like just for comics. You can yeah. kind of sit there and go over your notes and yeah. believe you. alone. I, I love that back bar.
0: Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Back bar is my favorite. The back bar is the shit. The the secret comedians bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's just what they've done in the new this new generation of managers and the people that run the place now. They've sort of like really paid attention to like what what's going to make these guys happier what's going to make this better like you got to give them a place where they can hide so give them that back bar and you go to the back bar any day it's filled with people just hanging out talking shit and like it's fun it's like a fun place i go there i gravitate Mm -hmm. and i I get into the back air i'm like oh look at all these cool people yeah this is a great spot to hang out in yeah Yeah. they did that they added security they did it so it's, it's night and day to the way it used to be oh I never used to go there
1: I didn't like hanging out there I didn't like any part of it and then once, uh, once the new management took over I was like oh great like, I once did a show there I did a benefit there was like a kid who died I forget his name he was a comic uh, who died in a car accident and they had like a benefit for his family
0: oh yeah that's Josh Adam Meyer's friend Angelo, Angelo
1: and- yeah <laughs> Yeah, Bowers, Angela, Angela, Angela Bauer. I did not know him. I didn't know him either. But uh, but I guess he was like a fan of mine, and I was like I was like the, his favorite comic that they could get.
0: Uh, and I'm
1: like on the, I'm on the marquee. It's a sold out show. I have a great set. I walk off, and Tommy comes up, and he's like, uh, the old manager's like, Anthony, that was great, man. We got we got to get you around here. You got you got to start hanging out. You know, you got to start hanging out and doing you know do, doing the open mic and stuff. And I'm like, doing Tommy, open mic. my name is on the marquee right now. You just watched me headline this show. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> And I then the, I, I don't think I ever saw him again. Next Good. thing I knew, he was fired, and they were like, what can we do to, to get you back here? But yeah. I, I love
0: it. Well, that's Adam, you know, right? Adam yeah. did that, the same thing to me. He t- he told me that Tommy got fired and came to visit me in the improv.
1: So you were gone- Seven years. Seven years from the store. Yeah. And then when Tommy left, they brought you back in?
0: Yeah. Well, there's two reasons. Um, one, I had to go physically to the store because Ari was filming his Comedy Central special. And is was like- that he's a you know Ari's just one of my best friends and I knew him from the time he was a doorman and I knew that him filming his special there was so important and there was no way I was going to miss it I was like I have to be here like I have to see this at the store so I was like, ah, fuck! All right, I gotta go back. And so I decided to go back. I think he was filming on a Wednesday. What what night is uh, yeah. roast battles on Tuesday, yeah, right? Tuesday, yeah, so yeah. I went down there on a Tuesday. I said, let me go down on a Tuesday just to see what's up. And I went to roast battle, and I was like, holy shit! This place is electric. This is crazy. Like the environment is so much different. It's so creative. And the the, the night that I was at roast battle was fucking fantastic. It was so good. There was so many funny roasters. And I remember thinking, wow, this place is just different, man. It just feels so much different. And it wasn't like it is now. Like, now, like, you'll go on... A Saturday night they'll six sold out shows mm-hmm. they have two shows in the belly room two in the OR two in the main room Everything sold out and packed with headliners and it's chaos. It wasn't like that no. It was still sort of shitty like in terms of like the numbers But the vibe and the creativity was way different and the new guys and girls that were coming up They were fucking good man. I was like wow. This is a different vibe. I had been gone for almost a decade. Yeah So that brought me in And like I said I had to be there for Ari there was no way. I, I, there was no way I could miss it. I had to be there. So I'm like, all right, I just got to swallow it. And that was probably what Adam for sure helped, but I might have stayed away forever if it wasn't for Ari. I just I had to see it.
1: Uh-huh. You know? Do you like roast battle? Do you like uh, judging that?
0: I, get, I cringe sometimes because they're so fucking mean. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes people are so mean. You know, um... Uh, but I do like it. I do love the writing aspect of it. I love the fact that it's a joke writer's form. But I don't want to name any names of there's one comic that I'm friends with that does really well on Roast Battle. And I said, hey, man, how come you, when you roast, you have all this good new material, but you're doing the same stupid shit when you go on stage all the time? Like, you were doing the same set for years. You're not, you're not advancing because you're not writing a lot. But you're writing a lot when you write for roasts. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you should treat like your material like the same way you treat your material when you have to roast. Like the thing about the roast is like, say if uh, you are going to roast with Tony Hinchcliffe, you guys know each other, you you know who you're writing for. All right, Tony, what does he look like? He looks like you know. You start fucking around with, oh, I know this about Tony and that about Tony. This is going to be funny, and it forces you to be creative. Whereas mm-hmm. I think there's so many guys that they they develop um, a framework of a set. And then they just kind of like, that. that is their comfort. The comfort is in the fact that they know, even if it's not good, they know that they can go from this to that and that to this and they know where they're going and they don't, they're not lost, you mm-hmm. know? And I think that the beautiful thing about the roast is none of that material you can do in any other place. Mm-hmm. You can only do it right there. So you have to work on that. And so oftentimes you see like what a comic's capable of when they're roasting Versus what they're doing when they're actually doing the real set, which seems stale.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's almost, um, I agree with everything that you're saying that it's almost like uh, it's not beneficial right. to be like a really good at roast battle and not as a stand. Like it takes, it can take away from stand up and people think it's like this, this path to glory and I'm not sure that it is. No, I don't think
0: it is. I think it's a good exercise if you're, if you're treating all of your comedy the way you treat the roast battle. Like you're always working on it. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a lot of guys that just aren't working on it. I think part of our problem is there's no other art form like stand-up where there's, li- like you were telling me, you were saying how you took a class to learn to get on stage, but you were quick to add, and almost every great comic does this, that you really didn't learn anything in that class. but no. it, But it got you to the stage. Mm-hmm. That's weird that there's nothing, like the best education that we have is talking to each other. Like, like, how do you write? How do you do it? And I'm always, I've been doing comedy 30 years, and I'm st- always like, how do you do it? What are you doing? What are you doing this way? Are you doing it that way? What do you write? Do you write it out? Like, everybody's got a different thing. Like, Bill Byrd doesn't write anything out. Just his notes, and he works it out on stage. You know, he writes, it, it, he has these ideas in his head, and then he rants, and, you know, he uses his podcast to develop a lot of his material because his podcast is unique, and that it's just him talking. hmm but everybody's got a different thing, and there's no one who's right like no
1: no one no right. one's right I love this was it Stanhope who said that if you tell, if you give a comic advice you 're just telling them how to be more like you mm. you know that I kind of agree with it. You can say like write more, get on stage as much as you can you know that's important, but there are things even in comedy that like you hear early on that it takes ten years to understand, yeah you know like I, I remember the movie uh, um the movie Comedian with Jerry Seinfeld was like a huge uh. influence on me. And there's one point where Seinfeld's kind of depressed and he's like, Colin Quinn's like, what's the matter? And he's like, I just don't know when I'll be back. You know, when I'll feel like I'm back again with this new material. And Colin Quinn says, uh, when you're on stage and you're killing and you're miserable, that's when you'll, you'll know you're back. Like when you're just like, great, I'm making these idiots laugh. And uh. Seinfeld is dying laughing. And I was like, I like, saw that and I didn't understand what he meant. And now I know
0: exactly what he meant, <laughs> you know? Well, if I could go back to when that was filming, I would grab Orny Adams and go, don't do it. Don't let them do this to you, man. How long have you been doing comedy? Don't let them do this. They're going to put you, they're doing this to make Jerry look better. Don't let them do it. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, he must have thought it was like the biggest thing in the world for him. Yeah. Uh, and I'm so mad. Like, I love that movie. I watch the DVD once a year and there's no Orny Adams commentary track. They should and
0: give him one, right? think they, they, they'll, they'll
1: reference it. Like in the other comment. they'll like, Orny will talk about this in his, and I think he was so angry with the way he was portrayed that uh, he refused to do one. Well, it's weird.
0: Anybody. They portrayed, I mean, they, they just edited him, to, it, the worst aspects of it. They didn't want to give a nuanced perspective on who he is and what he's doing. They just wanted him to be like the young guy who's trying to figure it out versus the old, you know, legend. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. But they would like, my friends would use him as an example. Like if I was like acting like a jerk, they'd be like, you're behaving like Orny Adams. Right? <laughs> like you need to, like I came in second in like a comedy competition and I was mad about it. And they were like, don't be like Orny. And I was like, thank you. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's doing great
0: now. I mean, he, Orny's doing fine. But I have
1: d- met him a couple of times. He's, a, he's, a, he's always been nice to me. A nice guy. I once did a show at the Improv. Well, this is years ago and it's an 8 o'clock show I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not the headliner the Orney's going on after me but it's like I'm the biggest name on the, on the marquee and I get there and there's six people in the audience and two of them were like friends of mine who had never seen me perform before. Oh, no. And I was like, this is humiliating. I was like, what I'm like yelling at the staff. I'm like, how do you have six people here at 8 p.m. on a Friday? I can go to the store right now, and it's, the five rooms are sold out. Like, what's going on? And I get on stage, and I'm so embarrassed that my friends are seeing me that I'm yelling at the staff. Staff members are walking by, and I'm screaming at them. like yelling at the sound guy. Don't even, I don't even do a joke. I like put the <laughs> mic down. I'm like, fuck this place. I'm never coming back, and I leave. And I see my friends a couple of days later. I'm like, so sorry about that. They're like, no, you were funny. They go, like, the guy who went after you, that guy was angry. And I'm like, that guy was angry? I yelled at the sound guy for 15 minutes. Like, what the hell did he do?
0: The improv had those dark moments. They still kind of do sometimes. Like, Sharp did a show there recently on a Friday night. There was 25 people in the crowd. I, love, I, I blew up at, uh, at like the,
1: the new booker. They like, call me up and they're like, we would love to have you back. If we see you at the store. What can we do to get you back at the improv? And I'm like, email me once a, once a week and tell me what spots you have and I'll tell you when I can go. They're like, all right, like, I'm booked for a Wednesday. I see the lineup. It's like me, five people, Tiffany Haddish. I'm like, great, should be a good show. Day of, the improv emails me and they're like, listen, Tiffany Haddish wants to do an hour and she wants you to introduce her. So it's just going to be the two of you guys, no MC. And I'm like, <laughs> did you just bump me down to opening act? Opening act, like without, a- and not asking if this is okay, just like, you're now the MC going up cold uh, that right. I was, and I'm like, all right, I'll be there, but know that I'm furious. And they're like, why do not you just cancel? And I'm like, because I want you to know how mad I am, <laughs> and then I'm never coming back here. And <laughs> Tiffany was great, I was nice to her, uh, but I was just, I couldn't believe that they would treat me like that. I'm there tomorrow night at the improv I'm
0: there all the time yeah you want to do a set
1: maybe, maybe, maybe it was sold out sold out actually I got uh, I'm going to dinner to celebrate the special damn yeah
0: it's good if you catch it with a packed crowd it's just they mm. didn't have the right approach to to marketing yeah that's all it is
1: but it used to when I first started that was the club
0: yeah you know well that, that was where I went when I left the store when I left the store for seven years, I did my sets at the Improv, at the Ice House, haha. I did um, just anywhere else but the store. Laugh Factory? No. 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 Never? They film you. Yes. Yeah. And they put people up. And they put, they've done it with me. They put your shit up online. And they say they don't do it anymore, but it's too late. Like, yeah. you, you can't just do that. Yeah. And their attitude about it was very disappointing. Like when I told them that I wanted them to take my shit down... They, they were not, they, they weren't, they weren't understanding or apologetic until it became a big deal. Yeah. Like big deal. Like, you know, like how to get other people involved. Mm -hmm. It was not good. It's not wise to think that you could just film people and put them online when they're working out for free. Yeah. And not tell them. Yeah, especially like a guy like you, who's going to do a fucking Netflix special, so you're going to release this stuff and put it online long before Netflix gets a hold of it? And the attitude about it just wasn't good. I mean, it's a great club. I've worked there many, many times. I just don't do it anymore. Yeah. You know, it's just get it together. You know, this, this is the fucking big leagues. We're in Hollywood. This is not like some fucking shithole comedy club in the middle of nowhere that nobody goes to this is on the sunset strip Mm -hmm. this is in hollywood and you're doing that like what are you guys what are you doing yeah you couldn't trust them it just was ridiculous but it's a great club i mean you go there you'll see great comedy it's it's a fucking killer setup you know it's there's a lot of the pieces are in place for it to be amazing
1: yeah I was going back for a little bit, but they would, like, they would use me to promote the whole show. It's like, it's like as if it's just yeah. my show. Right. But I'm just doing 15 minutes and making the same money as everybody else in the lineup. Like if I'm at the comedy store, it's like me, you, Delia, Sebastian. Like you don't feel that pressure. Right. And we're all in it together kind of thing. That it's, it, I, I enjoy the store a lot more than uh, the, just the way they promote. Yeah. I, I feel less pressure.
0: Yeah, the quality of the comedy is better and at the store. And this is like, there's something about that that I think is like one of the things that's happened from the seven years ago or the seven years when I was gone versus now, which I've been back like almost four years. It would be four years in November or five years in November, is that um, it's b- better for me to see guys like you and to see guys like Neil Brennan and and all these this is working with killers just just this lineup of like where i know that if there's 400 people in that audience they're coming to see everybody they're not just coming to see me Mm -hmm. and i think that's that's critical for developing material i think it's critical for putting piecing stuff together and and putting an act together it's like I need a, a balanced audience. I don't want to perform for the the converted, you know what I mean?
1: Exactly. Like if I like I, I feel like the store is like a gym yeah. where you're working out where like you're not getting the same I don't get the same laughs at the store that I do if I go to Largo and every single person there has paid 30 bucks just to see me. So yeah. they're like it makes it easier, but because I've worked at the store Like you, it's like I've earned that at Largo, you know, but you, but if I just did Largo all the time and that was it, I wouldn't be as good. You know, you need to kind of, you need to suffer a little bit.
0: They're so nice at Largo. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I did, I did Whitney's show at Largo and, uh, it was, it was so, so nice. And then, uh, I did this bit about mocking feminists and I could say like, I don't like feminists for the same reason why I don't like white people are only into white people. Like I like people who like everybody. Like I'm I'm not interested in anybody who's really only into one thing. You know, like come on, stop. Yeah. Like it's nonsense. You're like I do do women need equal rights? Of a fucking course. Of course. Yeah. But I don't want to hear you talk about it all the time. It's Mm -hmm. annoying. Yeah. And you can see like the, the tightening up, like someone saying that they don't like feminists. Like it's like, oh, you guys are indoctrinated. I see what this is. And so then I felt like and it helped me actually develop this one piece that I was doing and that, be like, sort of, around it rounded out this one piece I was doing because I was trying to figure out a way that I could ex- explain it to someone who might have uh, a preconceived notion about who I am, like, to, like to, to say it in a way that makes people that were hesitant laugh, you know what I mean? Versus yeah. savages at 11.30 on a Saturday night that are hammered.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Whitney Cummings' crowd wasn't uh, into your anti-feminist.
0: They bit? laughed. They laughed because the punchline was good, and I, I, I had a place to go with it, and the place to go was ultimately mocking men's rights activists. That was the 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 real thing. Was the the the, the, the setup for that joke is I don't like anybody's into one thing, and I go, but the, the, what drives me the most fucking crazy is men's rights activists. I'm like every men's rights activist I ever met, I just want to grab him and go, dude. We got them all. Yeah, we got all the rights. Yeah, we got them all. You I
1: know? can't believe that's a real thing. <laughs> Men's rights activists.
0: What's well, a real thing if you get divorced and you have child? Uh, it, it, it's uh, for child custody. Those things are do- those things are real. Like guys, really, I know men who have gotten really fucked over in divorce, where mm-hmm. their wife hired a, a fucking killer lawyer and they drag them through. See the thing about, and I learned this from Phil Hartman, unfortunately. Before he died uh, I was trying to tell him to get divorced and he, I said just give her half man You'll make more money. He goes. It's not half. He goes. It's two-thirds. He goes the fucking lawyers take a third It's a goddamn scam, you know, he like he was f- furious about it because apparently he had been trying to figure it out Like how to do it, but I had a friend whose wife ex-wife Dragged it out on purpose because she wanted him to pay the legal bills. So mm-hmm. he had to pay for her lawyer He had to pay for his lawyer and then he had to pay for all of the times that she decided to change the goalposts and, and renegotiate. Like there's no, no one can say that you can't renegotiate. So she would just renegotiate and just drag things out. And her, her goal was to try to drain him financially. Mm-hmm. So she was doing this on purpose, like targeting him. So he was essentially paying for the general of the army that was plotting to murder him. And he was slowly going crazy. And I was watching my friend go crazy. And it took several years for it to be completely resolved. And he's still paying her. He's, still pay- he's been divorced for, I think, 12 years now. And he still pays her. Jesus. They didn't have a child. Um, and he has a family now. He's married with children now. He- and he still pays this person. Still pay- Like, he fucked her so hard she can't work. 12 years later. Yeah, it's- so that's where men's rights activists have a point. Because if you're in a state that's particularly uh, progressive or liberal in, in regards to alimony and child support, the only well, the only thing that we win on that is like Tom Arnold. Like we we got a, a one on the board for Tom Arnold mm-hmm. when he divorced. But uh, the problem with that is I love Roseanne more than I love Tom Arnold. No offense, Tom, but I do. You know, so like it bothered me that Roseanne had to pay him. Like, bro, get. Get the fuck out of here! You you can work. Like why? How come when you with a successful person, if that successful person says K- fucking kick bricks, get out of here, you have to pay them? That that person has to pay the person they're getting rid of.
1: Why? Yeah. Well, oh, he's used to her lifestyle. What? That 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 I'm used to it is, uh, is crazy the craziest thing. Yeah,
0: it's the only thing that makes sense is childcare. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, hey. Um, this person is taking care of the children, they're your children, you guys had these children together, you have to contribute to the, 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 the money that it costs to raise a child. 100%. I get it. What, what I don't get is alimony. Mm-hmm. I just don't get it. We're not together anymore. Know how we were before we were together and you didn't have any money and then you met me and now I have money and then you, you got used to having money? Well, you're going to have to get used to not having money yeah. because now you don't have any money. Cause now we're not together anymore.
1: Or like a, a year, maybe. You know what I mean? Like maybe. let her take some yeah. time to get back on her feet. Right. But don't uh, be a
0: prostitute or anything.
1: Yeah. yeah you don't have to be. A- I think it's just bitterness. It's like I want to take you for everything that I can. Let's- uh, like one of my friends who was going through a divorce, he was like, uh, uh, of all my friends who've gotten a divorce, eighty percent of them. If they have kids, the wife accuses the husband of molesting the kids.
0: Oh, Jesus
1: Christ. Just for visitation, you know, just to like... For negotiation. With dish- yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Well, the lawyers are onto that now. You know, I mean, this is actually something that my friend was warned of when the, him and his wife were splitting up. Like, is your wife malicious? Will she, you know, make some sort of a baseless accusation? And he's like, how so? And then they went into that. Yeah, man, there's evil people out there. That, and there's also this thing that happens when people break up with someone. If there's someone who doesn't want to be with you anymore, someone that you deeply loved and cared about, like, you want them to suffer. It's weird. It's weird. I mean, it's normal. So I guess it's not that weird. But the, the evil, vicious jealousy. You know, like You see that vicious jealousy in chimpanzees? Like, one of the things that chimpanzees do when they attack people, one of the things they attack people over is unfairness. Like, uh, there was a terrible story about a guy who had kept a pet chimp and then brought the uh, chimp a birthday cake on his birthday. Brian Posehn has a whole bit about it. Do you? Does Does he, does he yeah, really? Yeah. Um, and the other chimps found out that this chimp was getting a birthday cake, and they saw it, and they weren't getting any cake, and they were fucking furious. So, someone had inadvertently left one of the gates open, so the chimps got out and tore this guy apart. Because of a birthday cake But it's that thing It's not like it was affecting them It's like he was doing something bad to them So they got out and killed him No, they ripped his dick off Because they didn't like the fact They gave the other chimp a birthday cake Took his dick, took his fingers Took his feet Yeah Yeah, yeah Posehn's
1: bit's so funny He's like the, the worst thing about that story For that guy Is that Everyone's gonna wanna hear it forever Because mm-hmm. it starts with So I was bringing a birthday cake To a chimpanzee And then <laughs> And like you, you gotta hear the rest
0: <sighs> But that That anger and jealousy Like there's Evolution There's an evolutionary basis for it Oh is that what he looks like now? Yeah Oh my god I'm not look, gonna show
2: it It's tough His so. fingers
0: are missing His face is missing He's got one eye His nose is gone Oh look at that frown it's Oh that my perma- god that well, his face was ripped apart. They probably stitched it together that way. Awful. Yeah, it's fucking awful, man. Yeah, you can't own a chimp, you crazy assholes. They're the most vicious of all the primates next to people.
1: Aren't they good for, like, you can put, like, train them for, like, the first, like, five years of their life, and then
0: they forget mm. everything. They just decide they're going to fuck you up. Yeah. And they're so strong. What is that one doing? Is that the it's chimp?
2: Like, no, no, but it just popped up in the same group of pictures. Jesus. Hairless chimp looks so, mad. They're so
0: mean. Such a, it's such a mean species. You know, there's a, a problem with colobus monkeys in uh, parts of uh, Africa where chimps live because they've eaten so many colobus monkeys that their their population's down 97%. Yeah. They rip them apart and eat them a lot while they're alive. Are they tiny colobus monkeys? No, yeah, they're not big. No. Big enough to eat. <laughs> But uh this is a David Attenborough documentary from the nineties where they first discovered that chimps eat monkeys. They really didn't know. They thought the chimps were basically herbivores. And then they got this video footage of them hunting these monkeys and the way they would corral them uh, and beat them through the trees and then catch them and this monkey screaming while this chimp is ripping it apart from the hips, like just chewing it and pulling it apart from the and he's like ah! And he's like basically ripping his legs and his ass end off and just eating it alive. Goddamn. They're fucking mean, man. They're fucking mean. It's a mean animal. But the the what the, I get the fact that, look, everything's mean in the jungle. There's big cats and poisonous snakes and spiders and it's just a hard, hard, hard world. But the thing that drives that gets me is the jealousy, because I don't think other animals experience jealousy the way chimps do. Like this, is that it right there? Oh, from the Attenborough. The documentary. end of the clip where they actually caught it. Like, yeah. Skip so up. that's a monkey in his hand.
1: Oof.
2: Jesus.
0: Yeah, dude. The videos of it killing it while they're pulling it apart, like woah. But the, that jealousy—that I want you to suffer. I didn't get that fucking cake. Oh, you don't let me have that cake? I can't get any cake? I'm going to pull your fucking dick off. I'm going to bite your nose off. Like, that. that is a that is a strange trait for an animal to have.
1: Oh, yeah. You know? I mean, I think it's a, t- a terrible trait for a human being to have.
0: Oh, yeah. You know? well, we are uh, animals. Yeah. yeah. It's something uh, you got to work on. But when it comes to divorce, like, that's that same thing. It's like that same, I want you to fucking suffer. I want to pull your dick off. And that's why you know, people hire hitmen and shit to kill their ex-wives and kill their ex-husbands.
1: Well, yeah, Oof. people don't get less crazy as they age.
0: No, 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 no. A lot of times they get more because then they realize it's almost over. Mm-hmm. The ride's over and uh now, you know, you're a 65-year-old lady. No one's wants to fuck you. And you're a 65-year-old man. No one's wants to fuck you either. And now all of a sudden you guys are battling, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. B- battling over finances and this and that. I gave you the best years of my life. Oh, that's my favorite. I did I did a girl once when we broke up. She said, I wasted all this time with you. I said, oh. I go, I thought we were dating. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't know you were investing. Yeah. 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 I wasted it. Oh, you wasted it. Well, I guess every relationship when it's over is a waste. Like, what? That's so bizarre.
1: Yeah. Bizarre way of looking at it. Yeah. Enjoy the present. Enjoy the time you had together.
0: Yeah, but if you're thinking about it in terms of like, Hitching a rod on a successful train. Yeah,
1: if your goal is to get married, and you're with someone for five years, and then they, you break up, like, oh, you know,
0: I should've been with someone else.
1: Yeah, who would've would
0: married me? Now I gotta find someone else. Yeah. The jealousy thing about the the breakup. It's so it's so normal. It's so hard for people to not be jealous. Mm -hmm. Like no, very few people ever break up and go, Hey man, she's cool. It just didn't work out. I was a dick. She was, she needed some growing. We needed, we both needed time away. Hey, I wish her well. I've never
1: really gotten jealous. Like I always like when they move on. You know what I mean? When, like, when they get a new boyfriend, you're just like, oh, thank God.
0: But uh, that's because you're a comic. You have opportunities. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, true. But it's, like, but it's like you're not their responsibility anymore. Yes. You know what I mean? They can still, like, if they're single, they can still call you up, mm-hmm. you know, in the middle of the night. Get they can you. St- Yeah. Still get mad about things. Like, still want, we, let's talk about this again. Once you're dating someone else, you're like, all right. Yeah. You're, so, you're someone else's problem now. The
0: best is when they have a kid with someone else. You're like, yes! hmm It's over, baby! Yeah, never have Woo! to talk to you again. I'm free. Yeah. It's interesting, man. It's it's a it's an interesting thing when you decide to touch naked bodies with a person, right? You, you like create this bond by doing things with your bodies and spending time together, and then you separate. But you're always gonna have this, yeah. But I used to touch naked bodies with her, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, we used to get together and we used to do things together. We don't do it anymore, but I did it. I did it back in the day. I got her naked, and we got naked together.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's history.
0: Yeah, it's history. It's weird, you know. Yeah, yeah. She'll never forget. I won't either. We touched each other.
1: Yeah, I like the idea of like relationships. Looking back fondly on relationships. Yeah. I never felt like oh, I wasted my time. There are people that I've dated, that I'm like, probably shouldn't have done that. But uh, but for the most part, I, I try to uh, have good feelings
0: about it. You it's, don't want to you don't want to hate like a period of your life. No, it's pointless and but there's lessons learned those ones that i've had that were like ugh that's how you know like what when you date someone and it's cool when they're they're good you get it like i i dated this girl long long time ago who's super negative just super negative all the time and then i dated this other girl right afterwards who was not negative at all she was always laughing about stuff and joking around no matter what like even if like her car could get in an accident she'd take a deep breath and go well that car's fucked up <laughs> And she would start laughing, and I was like, oh, there's there's different ways to handle things. Like, if you get stuck with your high school sweetheart, and, and, and she's a pain in the ass mm-hmm. forever, like, you never understand, like, there are the exact same circumstances, one person is going to handle it completely differently, and if you're with that person, it's going to be a totally different experience, where... It'll be a bonding experience versus them. Woe is meing for the next six months and bringing it back to. I can't even look at a Taurus because it reminds me of when yeah. I got in that accident. And the Taurus hit my car. <laughs> Like fuck! That was a year ago. I
1: like when people are together for a long time, they break up, and then the guy gets married to the next woman he runs into instantly. Instantly, it's like he just like found the opposite of what he'd been dealing with, and was just like so over the moon about it. Yeah, he had
0: to marry her right away. That happened to a buddy of mine. He dated an actress, and then it was just uh, you know it was just brutal. Everything was career this, career that. It was about her career. He was trying to help her career and. And then they broke up, and he's like, "I'm never getting married again." A month later, he's with this new chick, and he's living with her. Two months later, and then he's married. Six months later, I'm like, "What happened?" He goes, "I realized it wasn't that I didn't want to be married." He goes, "I just didn't want to be married to her." He goes, "I realized like there's some people out there that I get along great with." Yeah. And if you don't, if you don't bail on a bad relationship, you don't know that there's you can be, and you are going to be different. That's the other thing. Like, you're di- I'm different with different people. You're different with so- – like, you react better to certain people. And certain people's personalities, you jive better with them. You have more fun with them. It's more entertaining. It's-
1: and you get to, like, reintroduce yourself. You know, the other person knows you for this, like, five-year period of time when you- maybe you weren't at your best.
0: yeah You know? But like, yes.
1: you've already used all your tricks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if you <laughs> give a girl diamond earrings – you can never give her diamond earrings again for as long as you live. You know, right. what I mean, it's like that present is over, right, for now. And then when you get a, with someone new, you can, you know, it's a clean slate,
0: right? You can impress them.
1: Yeah, they, yeah, they haven't heard your fucking
0: dumb stories already. Yeah. You, know, that you can like, you can be like, I'll oh, listen to this. Well, I always tell guys: s- strive to be the person you pretend to be when you're trying to get laid. Mm-hmm. If you can be that person, that real person, all the time, which is very difficult to do, but if you can be that person. Most of the time, if not all the time, you'll have a better life. Yes, I would agree with that. Yeah, but it's fun to try to impress people. It's fun when you meet someone. Mm-hmm. You're like, boy, wait till they see how witty I am.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I think it's weird, like, with me, I'm like, I don't like when someone's just into me just because they know who I am. Were like You're a famous comedian. I'm like a little annoyed. But if they have no idea who I am, I'm also a little annoyed. You know, it's like, it's like the, this, there should be perks to this yes. that, I'm not, that I'm missing out on. Here. Yeah.
0: Um, did you not Google me?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're not a comedy fan? What? what yeah. Are you from another country?
0: What's going on? Oh, could you imagine dating someone who didn't like comedy? Anthony, I love you. You're amazing. But I don't like stand up. I mean, if
1: it was someone who just, like, didn't like stand-up but thought I was great, I could handle it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they didn't like stand-up in general, but they like your material in particular. Like, do you watch a lot of stand-up? Me? Yeah. I watch it at the clubs. I very rarely sit down and watch a special. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Do you
0: you watch this special ever?
1: Like right now I'm working on it and uh, trying to put together a new hour. So I'm trying to go back and watch stuff. But for years I didn't watch anything. Um, uh, But like, it's funny. Like the three comics that I watch are you, Dalia. And um, Sebastian, because I follow you guys at the store. Mm. So it's like I, I'm in the room sitting there and like, you're the only three that I watch. Like I could like, re- I could like recite your act word for word <laughs> uh, and, and I don't watch anyone else. It's so funny to me.
0: Well, I think it's great to be, again, at a place like the store where you can see all these different styles and all these different people doing it. And you also see how we kind of influence each other in the slightest bit. And, you know, that we're all working in these really hot rooms where it's all packed. And But I think it's good to sit down and watch, you know, John Mulaney when he did his – where was that? Where was his? Radio City? Radio City. Radio yeah. City. Or, you know, Dave Chappelle, wherever he did his – he did his in D.C., I think, right? The big one. Wasn't it in D.C.? The I think last we, one. I think it was in L.A. The last one? Well, he did the store with the belly room with the he little the one. Belly room. He did the other one where
1: he's wearing like the military shirt yeah, with like the, the C the, on the, it. The OJ thing we talked about OJ. That was in L.A. And then there was one in Austin.
0: There may have been one more in D.C. I thought the most recent bigger one was in D.C. But either way, the um, maybe you're right. Where what? Well, Jamie'll find it. But it's. I think it's a. It's good to see. You know, it's good to see how different people do it. <laughs> I, I I always enjoy watching Cat Williams, particularly in the beginning, because you know, like a lot of times he'll just run out on stage and like he's running around on stage for like five or ten minutes before the fucking first joke comes out, and he's pointing at people in the audience and sweating and going crazy. It's a, and it's so different than the way anybody that I know does it. It's good to see that too. Yeah, he I think
1: the most discussed uh, stand up special of the past year was not in a net. It was Cat Williams his did you see it
0: yes the one he did from florida where it opens up with 10 minutes of florida material
1: 15 (laughs) minutes of jacksonville material (laughs) that is like apparently destroying that we i just i I couldn't get enough of it we watched watched it 100 times
0: yeah but it it tapered off pretty hard oh yeah yeah it tapered off real hard when he was doing the the trump stuff it's like well this stuff is like half baked
1: yeah it looked like it, it looked like he had a bit that they like made him cut and so he had to just, like,
0: do the hour anyway. That's what I assumed mm. from having watched it. But I that, doubt they do that, though. They don't tell you to do shit. They don't tell me to do shit. I don't think they're going to tell him to do shit. They may have been like,
1: this is someone. This is already a bit. Do you know what I mean? Mm. As simple as that. I don't know.
0: It seemed to me that it was almost like he had some shit to say, but maybe hadn't been doing a lot of stand-up. You know? Like, I don't know how much that guy works out. I don't see him anywhere. No. I always wonder about those guys like the guys who you don't see in the clubs you know like B- bill you know bill bird saw a special one day um and uh, we were doing a set together at the ice house and uh he came into the green room like frothing at the mouth and he's like he goes the the fucking guy i forget i know who he's talking about i'll tell you later but he was like the fucking guy doesn't do the clubs anymore he doesn't do the clubs he goes is he watching this cringy bullshit and he was he was like angry you know he's like you got to do the fucking clubs
1: yeah, people get too comfortable. You know, it's just it, it's only their fans. They're just preaching to their fan base. Yeah, you know, a guy like Bill Maher mm-hmm. who's not changing anyone's mind. It's just like people are people are applauding They know they're, 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 they're going to applaud before they even get there. Yeah, I uh, would never do a comedy club.
0: You he know, doesn't he never do comedy do clubs at all.
1: I'm I'm sure he does not. <sighs> yeah, yeah. I think you. Ha- I think you really have to.
0: Yeah. No, I think so too. Yeah, well, he's in this weird category, too, right? Where he's not just doing comedy. He's got to do, everything has to be political. Because mm-hmm. this whole thing is about politi- political shit. Like his show, his his persona, who he is. Mm-hmm. You know, he donated a million dollars to the Democratic Party. Like he's, it's all politics.
1: Oh, all of it. Yeah. And I can't stand political humor just because it's just, it's so easy. You know, you're either you're either making everyone mad or you're making everyone really happy. But it doesn't really matter, like, what the joke is. Yeah. You know?
0: yeah 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 it's uh and then if you're doing stuff about like the speaker of the house oh my god when
1: someone's like so the Mueller report it's like fuck man like no yeah
0: you know who's like super deep into politics on the right is nick DiPaolo. like every time i talk to him yeah he wants to talk about the fucking steel dossier yeah 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 Let's talk about all this different, all the shit Obama did. Yeah, how about when Obama did this? Like, yeah. How do you know? Yeah. How do you even know this? I know. The, the, the knowledge <laughs> of it, like, I once got a
1: phone call, like, before the last election, like, you know, a year ago. And they're like, we want to ask you about, like, how involved would you say are you with politics? And I'm like, very, actually, I'm pretty passionate right now. Um and they're like, how, how informed would you say you are? I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'd say I'm very informed. And they're like, okay. And they start asking me questions and I did not know what the fuck they were talking about. Like I hadn't heard of any of these things, any of these bills. Like I have no idea.
0: I've no idea what's going on. It's like the difference between a casual sports fan and someone who really understands all the drafts and all the picks from different colleges and yeah. all well, this guy's got potential and this guy needs to work on his defense mm-hmm. know like, another
1: 40 times. Yeah. Yes, yeah,
0: yeah, the people who know the combine numbers. Yeah, he bench pressed 225 47 times. Like yeah. there's, there's people that know that stuff and like it's exhausting cuz it, it, it it's so involved. Like you have to if you really want to be paying attention to everything that's going on with Nancy Pelosi, you got to you got to be paying attention to that all day long. Mm-hmm. And most of the people that do that, they're nuts. Like you're, you're. It's just a, it's like sports, it's sports, but in a different way. Like you're just this is the thing that you're wrapped up in. Mm-hmm. Although it does shape our world, you know. Yeah. As as like right wing comics go, though. There's not a lot of, like, Nick DePaulo's the king, because he's actually really fucking funny. Mm-hmm. Like, he's right-wing as, a, like, a person, and, and, you know, he's conservative, but he's also a great stand-up comedian.
1: But did he get more rights yes. as he got older? Yeah, so he yeah. wasn't always, because I, I remember DiPaolo, he's one of my favorites, uh, you know, when, when I would see him on TV as a kid, and I know him a little bit now. But uh, the 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 right things seem to come up more and more in the past 10 years.
0: Yeah, he was always an angry guy, but he became, like, an old angry guy that's really into politics as he got older. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess part of it is, like, it works for him. Like, it's people love to hear it. Like, there's not a lot of those guys. Like, who is the right have to bank on in terms of, like, comics that they could go see? You got Tim Allen. Barely. Does he do stand-up
1: anymore? I think he does, like... I think he goes up to the Laugh Factory. And does, does he? some things, yeah.
0: Okay, so maybe he's one of those guys, like, when was the last time he went on stage? Six months ago. You know what I mean? Oh. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but who else? Okay, so you got Tim Allen and Nick DiPaolo. There's got to be more. There must be. I mean... Norton kind of leans right a little bit, more libertarian. But he doesn't do a lot of politic jokes. He'll talk about it. But who yeah. the fuck else? There's like no one. But if you wanted to like left-wing comedians, you could start with Michelle Wolf and work your way up. I mean oh, yeah. there's there's millions of them.
1: Michelle Wolf wasn't even like left wing. I think the correspondence dinner, everyone's like, this is a star-making turn, and I think it almost ruined her. Really? Like, yes, because her show, Netflix, was called The Break. Like it was called The Break and it was like, Uh, we're going to take a break from all of this and just talk about like other things going on in the world. We don't need to be focused on politics. And after that, after the correspondence dinner, it was like the opening show was like her going after Sarah Huckabee Sanders. And you're like, oh, you you got forced into this,
0: uh, you know, you found a niche. Yeah. Yeah. It's tricky. If you find a thing that like works. And then people are like, you should really concentrate on that. Like, I remember Jamie Massad gave a friend of mine uh, advice once way back in the day. He's like, you should be Generation X guy. When you go on stage, you should be, I'm from Generation X. Every time, you know, like, my generation, Generation X think this and talk like that. Like, he was giving him advice. And I was like, listen to me. Don't listen to that. Has Jamie Massad ever given good advice? I don't know. Ask Tiffany Haddish. (laughs) <laughs> she still he manages her right so he's doing something right he manages her yeah like th- recently i heard she fired everybody maybe she fired him too yeah i don't know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she's a wild woman she can do whatever the fuck she wants now uh-huh. you know but, uh-huh. uh, but you know i'm so happy for her i knew her when the shit wasn't going well you know she's always been wild though she's a wild person you she know? seems
1: like, yeah in a good way. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's yeah. one of the t- two people that I saw like on stage and was like, "Oh, you're going to be a star." Yeah. Like I didn't know anything
0: about her, but I was just like, "You just star." Was it when she was queefing into the microphone? No, no. It was not that. It was not that. <laughs> you ever see her do that? No, dude. She can make the most ungodly sounds with her vagina. Like f- for real? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. She takes the microphone. She puts it on her pussy and goes <laughs> like she knows how to do it. She has a apparently she has an ability. To make a noise with a vagina on cue. Man, I'm she glad wants. I did go before her at the improv. <laughs> I, would be, I would, if I had to follow that, I'd be furious. In front of six people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can I get a new mic, please? <laughs> yeah, I followed her before. I didn't even think about it. I probably should have. Yeah. I feel like the, the genes are filter enough. Yeah, you hope so. Yeah, we'd hope. Yeah. Still, it's not ideal. Yeah, you like. That type of personality, like that wild personality that like a gal like has, that has, like what the fuck else could she have done other than stand up? I don't know. But there's a lot of those people out there that never find stand-up. Oh, sure. And their life just becomes chaos. Like the crazy person at the office. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just stuck there. And then, you know, you get fired from enough of those jobs, or you can't even get that office job anymore because, you you know, the word gets out. Oh, yeah, don't hire Tiffany. Mm-hmm. That crazy bitch, she's never going to be there. Yeah. <laughs> and when she is there, she's going to queef into the fucking loudspeaker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you, this, I wish—I mean, part of me says no— I Don't wish that there was like some sort of an organized program to get into comedy because figure it out I figured it out. You figured it out all of us did but then part of me says man There's so many kids out there. There's probably a 16 year old kid right now who sees the hypocrisy in All the things these adults are doing and he fucking hates class and he's sitting there right now going nuts or there's a girl who's feeling the same way about all her stupid friends and her mom and all these fucking people that want her to be a certain way and She's like Jesus Christ. I gotta get the fuck away from these people and and she makes her friends laugh But nobody ever tells her hey, listen to me. You could do this You could talk shit about things like you could be a really funny comedian. Like you got to figure out a way to do that Nobody does that like you, you it's so it, the, the number of people that have the but like, how many people have you ever met in your life that have the potential to be a comic? But never did it. Like you're we around them, you're like, damn, this guy's funny. Could have been a five, comic,
1: five or six. You know, there are people who were like as funny as me in college, who just went on and got jobs, and yeah. I got funnier. Yeah. You know, like that. I I knew people like that, or people. One of the funniest guys I ever met in my life was like uh, was like an, an executive producer's PA, but he was so goddamn funny I couldn't believe it. But he like I don't think would have translated to the stage. There's something like there's something you have to figure out in yourself to become a good comedian even if you're the funniest guy in the world yes you know it's a different it's a different muscle you know yeah but I and I like that there's so many different ways to do it like I started in LA and people are like you should not start in LA Hinchcliffe you know? did too yeah Ari did too I think it helped <clears throat> me because it was like you had to get
0: good right away well Ari know? Ari did open mics in DC at first but then basically started out in LA when I met him he was a doorman at the comedy store and just a raw open mic yeah, it's hard, to, it's hard to start out in L.A., but it can be done, especially yeah. now. Especially if you don't
1: know any better, you know? Right. Uh, like, I, I, didn't, I found out, like, years after I'd started in L.A. that you should not start in L.A. Yeah. You know? And it wasn't like I was going to move and go. I was already living here when I decided to do stand-up, but I wasn't going to, like, move to Chicago yeah. uh,
0: and start there. Ugh. Yeah. Some people do. Mm-hmm. And they ne- it doesn't seem to work. No. I don't know anybody who's ever moved from L.A. to, like, a satellite community, like Denver or somewhere like that, unless they were, like, already really established. I don't know anybody who was starting out who moved somewhere where it worked out well.
1: No. They always – they come back or – like, they go to Austin. You know, I'm like, I'm going to try it out there. And it's like, it doesn't – you're just starting
0: over. Yeah, you got to start there. There's – yeah. There's no right or wrong way to do it, but, man, it would be nice if somebody sort of collected – thoughts on how like what to do and what not to do
1: yeah like some people are like oh you got to get in the road just get on the road and like and it's like no that's that's not great advice if you're doing sea rooms it's just going to make you hate the road right i've seen people who just look like worn through they're like they're just like every night they're going up and they're either, like, have to be, like, a crowd pleaser because the person's just coming to see comedy. Like, I'm so lucky people come to see Anthony Jessel and not just a comedy show. Yeah. Because that's, that can be brutal and painful. And I know a lot of people who are like, no, just get in the road. And then their act suffers. They have this, like, hacky act all of a sudden because they had to do it like that.
0: You know what, what gives me, like, serious anxiety? When I find out that someone got a Vegas residency. I go, how many nights a week? Six six nights a week at the stratosphere
1: <laughs> it sounds i mean someone told me david spade was thinking about doing one oh. and he went to go see louis anderson who was doing one this was before yeah. baskets and he was like it was just the saddest thing i'd ever seen like, that was like carlin's last stand was a vegas residency did
0: he have a vegas residency yeah where was he
1: at i forget where he was but he had like a meltdown where he like went off on the crowd just like talk, t- calling them all pieces of shit. Really? And yeah, and then had to go to rehab. It was like, I'm, I'm addicted to painkillers. Like, and then I don't think he ever, I don't think he ever performed again.
0: Well, he died before. Like, he died. Like, he was performing when he died. I mean, I think he was at a hotel. I'm pretty sure he was sleeping in a hotel that he was performing at when he died.
1: I would believe that, but I, because I, that last special he did was terrible. He's like reading half of it. Oh, I didn't see that. It's, it was it was, it was was just like a, you know, a swan song for him. But it, I think that was after the Vegas residency. So he must have been doing more.
0: Yeah, his schedule was very, very hectic and unusual. He was doing one hour a year. An hour special that he would film and he would write it all out. Like he would write it all out and then tweak it a little bit. But it was more of a monologue than it was like set up punchline jokes. And... He seemed to be. He was falling into this more like a more of a social commentator in some aspects than he was a stand up towards the end. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean?
1: Oh yeah, and someone told me that he a lot of the reason he did an hour every year was because like uh, tax problems. The oh, yeah. IRS was coming at him yeah. hard, and uh, so he had to be working that much, and it kind of made him miserable. You know mm. the story about the, his nine eleven story, right?
0: um tell me
1: where he recorded a special called i kind of like it when a lot of people die that was the name oh, of the special that's right and he has this whole it closes with a big long 20 minute thing about like when he hears about people dying he like the more the better and he filmed it on like september 10th <laughs> and then the next day came in and was like we got to, we've got to cancel this we, no one can ever see this or hear this and now you can get the album But even in the album, he's reading it. They destroyed the actual footage from the taping.
0: Really? Yeah. They destroyed it?
1: Oh, he was just like, no one can ever see this.
2: Wow. He recorded it in Vegas at MGM Grand on September 9th and 10th. (gasps) (laughs) September 9th and 10th. That's
0: crazy. Yeah. What was it called?
2: I kind of like it when a lot of people die.
0: Jesus Christ. He must have woken up the morning of September 11th and go, did I manifest this? Yeah. Look at that. I kind of like it when a lot of people die. And so the audio CD, it's just him talking. It's like him working out the... Uh, Wait a minute. It says streaming.
2: Uh, like the audio streaming with Amazon Prime's oh. like audio. So there's series. no
0: video of it? Or? I don't know. See, so. see if there is. Some, some person who works somewhere might have preserved it
1: i mean i feel like i would have heard about it i mean i I listened to the bit and it's he's like i've got to read this is how i do it so it's like a very early version of it but uh it's not great but i mean i can't i can't even imagine taping a special on september 10th
0: he had some dark moments in his career I, i took some friends to see him in 1988 at the hampton beach casino i think that's what it was called in Hampton Beach, New Hampshire. It was like a place where people would go up for vacation and we went to see uh, George Carlin there way back in the day. And he always had the same opening act and the same opening act. I kind of knew even back then because I was, I guess I was an open micer then. I was just starting out. Um, I knew there were certain guys they took people on the road with them that were terrible. They took people on the road with them that just didn't they weren't good comics, but they made them look like heroes. And they, they did
1: it because they were friends with them or because they just wanted to have, like, the worst comic ever go up before them?
0: <sighs> it's a good question. You know, you'd have to – I guess it would vary. But for sure, there's certain comics that like it when people go out in front of them suck. Mm-hmm. They do they, – they want that. You know, there's certain comics that you see them taking people on the road and you look at it, you're like, what the fuck? You're taking that guy with you? Like, what are you doing? Why, yeah. are, you, why are you torturing people like that? Yeah. But, uh, the opening act did better than george like he he had a terrible set. he had this whole rant that he was doing because he was like, he had and he, unquestionably one of the greatest comics of all time, but he had hours that were just not good, and there was a period of time where it seemed like he just missed it like it was miss- like it was missing, whether it was his personal life was off or whatever it was, but he had this whole rant that was like "Fuck this." And he was like, and fuck Israel, and fuck comedy clubs. Like, he was saying, fuck comedy clubs. Like, this is like this whole bit, and he was reading it off of a yellow legal pad. And the whole audience was, like, standing there, like, not understanding, like, where this was going. Like, we're waiting for the jokes. Where's the hilarity? Mm-hmm. Where's And it wasn't. It just didn't exist. And my friends were mad at me. <laughs> really? Because I had taken them from where we live. We lived in Revere. And we all uh, drove all the way up to New Hampshire. Like, yeah, we're going to go see George Carlin. This is going to be awesome. And it was terrible.
1: It's funny. I remember Louis C.K. in, like, an interview years ago was talking about how... The, he took the pr- the pressure came off of him to ha- ha- always have a good show because said audience members love saying oh, I saw George Carlin once and he was awesome, but they really love saying you know I saw Carlin once and he was horrible. Like they th- they still get the experience and the story of it, and they, that that's it's theirs forever. I so guess. you don't have to worry about doing a bad. It's a way bad show. better
0: though if they say you were funny.
1: I think it's I think to see a legend bomb would be uh, <laughs>
0: would be great. Well, if you were a Carlin fan, you got to see those. If you went to see him live a bunch of times. Yeah, he had those rough spots, man. You know, it's, um, it's one of those things. If you're going to do an hour of stand-up every year, you're going to have some rough ones. There's no way around that. Oh, 100%. It seems like that's just – I mean, it can be done. I think it can be done. I mean, I think you can put together – like, I'm six months in from my last special. I think I could do another special in six months, but it wouldn't be as good as my last one, I don't no. think. Yeah. I just don't think it would. I just think you need time. Yeah. One a year is crazy.
1: One a year is it's insane. Like There are guys like Jimmy Carr who, while they're touring, they're writing jokes and just putting them away. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the tour when they tape the special, they have all these jokes they can go through and look at and then start the new tour. From that, that seems like – I like to sit in my set. You know what I mean? I just want to th- be focused on that yeah. and not always be writing the next thing. But some people who are just like, I'm just going to go up and talk. And it's happening a lot now. I think with like the prevalence of Netflix specials, people just want the money. And they're famous enough. They can just go up and just get through it. And I'm like, this is your legacy. Yes. Like, why would you want
0: to put out a bad special ever? I don't care what they're paying you. Mm-hmm. Make sure it's great. I feel the same way. And I feel like those people that watch that when you do do that man if you don't acknowledge that you fucked them over they're never going to trust you again if you don't say hey look that one wasn't a good special i gave it a shot it just wasn't right it didn't come out right i thought it was pretty good and then the taping didn't go well and if you don't do that they're not going to listen to you man they're like this is my best work like this is oh this is your best work yeah well what the fuck you
1: can like fool them once yeah, you know what I mean? Like, if I, went, if I went on tour right now and just did the same material from the special, like, people would be like, okay, but they're not coming back the next time. Right. You know?
0: They're going to get mad at you. Yeah. 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 When you do a special, once it's on Netflix, you're done with that material. It's over. Done. Some I, people I try, don't. I try
1: not even to remember it. Like, mm. I'm an idiot in the way that I, th- I, like, assume that the entire audience has seen everything I've ever done. Good. Like, I really do think that. And it's like, even if it's one guy in the back who's like, I've heard these before, no one else has heard it, it still drives me crazy
0: Yeah. Uh, that I can't, I don't, it's, I've got too much pride. I have the same feeling, and I'll say sometimes, too, and here's, like, if something comes up, I go, I have an old bit on this, and I'll say the bit but I'll let them know. This is an old bit. Like mm-hmm. this is, you know, I got this old bit. Yeah, some some people though, they when someone comes to see like Jim Gaffigan, they if they don't see hot pockets, oh, they get fucking mad.
1: I saw Gaffigan in Toronto a couple years ago and he did a killer hour, just walks out, does the hour, says thank you, good night, walks off stage, walks right back on. And does Hot Pockets. Doesn't ask who wants to hear Hot Pockets. Mm-hmm. Just goes right into it. Does the whole 10-minute thing. And then says goodnight and walks off stage. <laughs>
0: well, Bert Kreischer's that way with the machine. Mm-hmm. Like, he has to tell that fucking story. Yeah. Even though people have seen it, they want to see it live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's trapped. And, and if I, maybe if I had more stories,
1: I could get away with it. But mm. I'd, it, but once you hear the joke, you know, it's, it's over. Yeah. Like, it doesn't, doesn't work again.
0: Yeah. Seinfeld is still does old, old stuff. Mm-hmm. he does really old stuff and he's done two specials of old stuff that he's that like he's already put on specials
1: i went and saw him at the palladium uh, about a year or two ago and it was one of the worst shows i've ever seen like i had like a splitting <laughs> headache and i was like furious really and one of my friends uh, another comic that i respect a lot gave him a standing ovation and i was like are you fucking kidding me and he was like <laughs> i understand why you feel the way you do But I just love seeing the act. And I was like, I couldn't believe it. And then I saw Seinfeld again at Clusterfest. He was on the big outdoor stage with a bunch of, like, for kids. Completely different hour and murdered. Like, destroyed. It was like, he has, like, corny stuff, depending on what what the audience, you know, is. If everyone's sitting there wearing a yarmulke, he's got one act. And if it's a bunch of kids, he's
0: he's got a cool hip act. Really? Yeah. So you went to the yarmulke crowd? Yeah. Interesting. What was bad about that? It, it was
1: ag- aggressively corny and just... Aggressively
0: corny is a funny phrase. Yeah.
1: A good... <laughs> like, he like, thank you for coming to the show. I know. You know, we're like, should we go to the show? Should we go? Should we go to the show? Should we get... Do we need Uber? We, how do we get to the show? Do we really want to go? And I'm like, I can't believe he's doing this right now. But people were eating it up. Like, everyone around me was going nuts and loving it. Uh, but it was just, like, old man corny. Oh man, Gordy. because you, you see Seinfeld on like a talk show, mm-hmm. and he's like mean, and kind of biting, and you're like, "Oh, this is great!" Like he's hilarious, and I expected more of that. But when uh, I saw him in Clusterfest, I got that. You know, what is Clusterfest? It's that. Uh, it's like the. the uh, it's the third year this year. It's that festival in San Francisco. Like, it's like Comedy Central and Coachella uh, put together a uh, put together a thing. It's all comedy. Uh, comedy music.
0: There's some music there uh, too. Whenever I see festivals, I always assume someone's getting ripped off. That's what I think. My my impression is: all right, who's getting the money? Who's who's getting the money out
1: of this? That's how I feel about like Montreal. But there's the occasional there'll be a festival. You're like, okay, Mm -hmm. this much for for like one show in Toronto. Like, yeah, I'm I'm totally in. I'm totally in. So sometimes it's great, and sometimes it's nothing.
0: Yeah, the Just for Laughs thing. My issue with that is I got in when I was a zero. Like I got in Just for Laughs when I was uh, four years into comedy. I think five. It was terrible, you know. I, I had like a ten minute set that I could do, and it, it could get some laughs. But I became a part of just for laughs. Like when it, it was helping me, I wasn't helping it. Mm-hmm. But then when I see festivals where I see like a lot of names on a thing, and I'm like, well, who's funding this? Like sponsored by Southwest Airlines. Like, well, what is this like weird corporate? mishmash that you've put together and who's profiting off of this Mm -hmm. like it's not the comedians like i get you you put it all together but then you find out how how much the comedians are getting like well where's the rest of the money going there's a lot of money in that audience this is a big place yeah you know just
1: some are better than others but like and sometimes they're just like we're gonna take a loss all the sponsors are gonna lose money on this but we're gonna like that riot fest in L.A., they would do it every year. It's, it's done now, but they did it like four or five years in a row. I don't know and what And they that is. never made money. It was a comedy festival in downtown L.A.
0: Really? Yeah. See, that's how much I, I have an aversion to those things. I don't even know when they're taking place because I say no to everything. I'm like, no.
1: You, you're not just priced out of it? No. Because like people are like, oh, I, don't, I haven't done a college in years. And it's not like I've got a problem with colleges. It's just like they can't afford
0: me. <clears throat> Well, I stopped doing colleges when they could afford me. Cause I just would just I would be performing in front of eighteen year olds I'd be like this is ridiculous I just like there's too many of them that don't have life experience mm-hmm. it's this their' they're growing minds, and you can make them laugh at some things, but they haven't experienced what what I like it's like I'm happily married, but if I wasn't, I'd like a chick who's a little bitter I like a a older chick who keeps herself fit who's experienced a lot in life who understands she understands that life is up and down there's hardships i 'm not interested in anyone who's young and delusional and bubbly, yeah like, no it's yeah. Not. when you go to perform in front of eighteen year olds like they have this like this delusional version of what the world should be and social justice and all, all these ideas about the economy and all these ideas about socialism and all these ideas I'm like I'm exhausted already. I can't. I can't do this. I still
1: think it's fun. I think it's fun to watch them just be like, holy shit. You don't have to do one show. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> it, like uh, maybe they, they can leave if they want. I, I don't feel any pressure. Uh, like I mean, now I do casinos more than, more than uh, colleges. But I loved, like, even if it went bad, it was an interesting bad. And you're, and you're getting paid so much money that you're like, I don't care. I don't mm. care how this goes. And I've, I've had some go real. I used to go to the college and say, uh, what should I not talk about? And then whatever they said, I would open with that. <laughs> and, it, uh, and it worked every time except Colorado <sighs> School of Mines. What is that? Co- Colorado so School of hypnotism Mines. School? It's like a um It's an uh, engineering school. Like a good really? one. Yeah. School of Mines? A, mines, yeah. It's a famous- M-I-N-E or yeah. M-I-N-D? M-I-N-E-S.
0: Oh, like
1: okay. Mi- like digging- I thought you were saying mines too. I, I was with Joe. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they said, do, do not talk about abortion. Oh. And I was like, okay. And I went up and opened with an abortion joke and then died for an hour. Like, they <laughs> never forgave me. I just completely ate shit. <laughs> was it a good abortion joke? I assume. I mean, I, <laughs> Did you I write it like, in advance. To have a bad abortion joke is like, like if you're going to tell, like, right. have a joke about abortion, it better be great, mm. you know, or you're, uh, or you're in some real trouble.
0: Well, there are those people that think that when you touch on controversial subjects, That there's like a little, there's weight to objects, right? Like there's certain things that have more weight to them. Like if you can get through, if you can actually get the bit to work, it will have like an artificial amount of momentum connected Mm -hmm. to it because of the fact that it has all this weight. Yeah. It's more more tension. Yeah. But if you can cut that tension, the laugh is bigger. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah.
1: But if you can't. Oh, no. If you can't. It's over. Yeah. Yeah. They're just like mad at you for even trying. Yeah. You know? I don't think people get mad really that people make jokes about awful things. They get mad at the idea that people think it's funny. Yeah. You know, it's not so much you told a cancer joke. It's like you think cancer's funny. It's like, "No, I don't. That's why I'm making a joke about it." You know, that's like it's that's that's the process. But I really think it's like it's hearing an audience laugh at it more than hearing a comic. Like if a comic tells a cancer joke and it bombs, no one really gets mad at them. If it's
0: like killing, that's when people get upset. Well, your act is so controversial. You have so many subjects and there's so much tongue in cheek and there's so much where you're, you know, you you say mean shit mm-hmm. on stage. I would imagine that you get people upset at you quite a bit. I used to. And honestly, now
1: it's like I've been like grandfathered in and like it's funny, like I used to get people I would tweet a joke and some people would the comments of people getting mad at me. And now what happens is I tweet a joke and then my fans start tweeting their own jokes underneath it like tagging uh, them and people get <laughs> mad at them. It's like, I'm just like the guy who is allowed to do it. Like people just stopped getting mad
0: at me all of a sudden. And I, Well, you I, had a show really called fun. the Jesselneck Offensive. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's like you've, you do, you are sort of grandfathered in but it's also like your style. Yeah. It's like, it's like being mad at Slayer for being loud. Mm-hmm. I'm Like, what do you? That's what they do. Exactly. Like, what are you? What are you talking about?
1: <laughs> yeah. And you're like, but I like classical music. It's like, so what? Go <laughs> listen to place. that. Like,
0: yeah, yeah. That is the weird thing about comedy too, right? It's like when you go to see comedy, you could see all sorts of different styles. Whereas when you go to see music, if you go to a club, it's like a blues club. You expect to see blues. Like you're going there on purpose. You don't. It's not like a blues band. Followed by a country band, followed by a hardcore band. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't, but that's what you get when you go to a comedy club. Mm-hmm. You know, you can get Guns and Roses followed by Barry Manilow, and you're like, "What is this place?" Yeah, you know, like oh, a main room show on a Saturday night. You're going to get virtually every genre of comedy there is. Hmm. I, I mean, I like that. I'm glad it's like that because I yeah. hate like when I used to
1: tour and I couldn't bring my own opener. You know, I would get to town and they'd be like, oh, Jake has been begging us to open for you. He like, wanted to open for you so badly for months. We, so we're letting him open for you. And he does my act for 15 minutes before he brings me on stage. Oh. I was like, I hate this. If you, if I
0: you hate have you had someone actually do your actual material?
1: Not my material, but like, though my mannerisms, mm-hmm. you know, short, dark jokes, you know, right. like that, my attitude, they've just like taken it. And they're like, oh, if Anthony sees me, he'll be like, oh, you're like me, come do that. And I'm like, I don't want to see me. You know, Before I don't want to see anyone like me, I don't, yeah. ever. I don't want yeah. to, like, someone's like, oh, this guy does really dark one-liners. You'd love it. I'm like, I d- don't ever want to see it. I don't ever want to look at it because that's what I do. Right. You know, I, like, I want to see goofy, silly, just like the opposite of me.
0: Yeah, Joey Diaz likes to bring girls on stage. He br- likes to bring girls in the row with him because he said he wants the audience to see something totally different, and he wants to give the women in the audience that are with their boyfriends that are there to see him, like, he's like, this is good. Like, it'll balance it out.
1: I, I bring women, uh, a lot of female openers, uh, mostly just, I, it, I want completely different. I don't want the same, even like, I don't want them talking about the same subjects mm-hmm. as me, yeah. you know, and, then, and that's, that usually avoids it uh, completely. But I don't, know, I don't know how much I'm doing it for the, the girlfriends of the, of, of the guys who, who come, but no. certainly, you know, there are people come afterwards and they're like, I, I liked you better than the headliner. It's like,
0: it is weird it's weird when fine. you start taking someone on the road with you and then their act starts morphing and becoming like yours. Mm -hmm. like their style starts because they they see what what's working and so they start it's like a natural thing like like you saying that you can't watch tell anymore you know especially with someone who's opening for you you got to think they're in the developmental period oh yeah i've had mcs who by the end of the
1: weekend are like that's a great joke and i'm like
0: that's my line like you can't
1: i know it's fun to do but like you can't do it when you're opening for me like you've just been watching me all weekend and now you're copying my manner that's annoying yeah because then you have to think about it
0: Mm -hmm. mm-hmm Oh, you have to watch them. Is there any places where you just don't work anymore? Like any cities where you're like, fuck this place?
1: Like, mm. do, you, do
0: you work in Miami?
1: In Miami, I, I try not to. I'll do, a, <laughs> I'll do a theater in Miami or like close by, but I, do, I would never do a club down there. Like Miami's like New Orleans. and New Orleans is one of my favorite cities in the world. But like they have shit going on. Yeah. They don't care about your comedy. Right, you know right, Miami, right. there's just too much else to do in New Orleans they've got like their music and their food and their alcohol. they don't care about comedy like you can you can do a show there, but it's not uh it's not that fun it's not that fun yeah but, um Miami might be the one, but I'll do like Fort Lauderdale, you know like places around that yeah uh Florida can be tough
0: Miami adjacent. Sometimes. yeah Florida's tough man yeah, it's tough that's yeah. a. That is the weirdest fucking state in the country, for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think of any other place that I was just like, there are clubs I would never go back to. What about Connecticut? Connecticut. I think I just did somewhere in Connecticut and had a great had a great time. That's like they weird. were just like they were like grateful that I was there.
0: <laughs> you know, some places you
1: go and they're just like, oh, I can't believe you came here. Yeah, uh, this is awesome. Yeah. But there was a, I went to one club where just like the the, the owner of the club made his, made the, the green room his office and would just sit in there and like be watching TV and talking to me the entire time. I'm like, surely you're going to leave with 20 minutes before I go on stage and just what, just in your face the whole time. Like that was why he owned the club was to talk to comics. And oh, I just like no. lost my mind. Where was
0: this? Um, uh, I probably shouldn't say, but I will. Don't say. Uh, what did it sound like? Um, Columbus, Ohio? <laughs> I think uh, I think Hoosiers. Think what? Hoosiers. Hoosiers. What are they Indiana yeah, next door to? Oh, okay. Comments, yeah. Okay. You ever been there? Um, I think I did a show there once. Yeah. Yeah. Like, once.
1: Coming up, it was like a, it was like a cool club to go do, and mm-hmm. then I finally got there and like a, like a year or so ago, and I was like, uh, you know, my friends, I was like, why did why does everyone love this club so much? And they're like, we couldn't wait to hear what you thought of him. Like <laughs> we couldn't wait to hear how mad you would get at this guy. <laughs>
0: The weird thing is when a guy owns the club, but then he's also the MC. Have you ever had uh, that happen? Oh, the worst. <laughs> the absolute worst. <laughs> I can't stand that. Yeah, that's not good. No. Yeah. Is there any places in uh, overseas that you really enjoy working?
1: Yeah, I went on a big European tour uh, this summer. And did, uh, did like the, did the standards, you know? Did a couple nights in London, a couple nights in Edinburgh during the festival. Those were fun. Um, and then like places off the beaten path. That, that I was like, I want to do Berlin and I want to do Warsaw. And they were like, "There's no market." And I'm like, "I want to do those." Those are the two most fun shows of the whole tour. And it was like 300 people maybe. But, uh, but it, they were just so grateful you were there, and they were, they were awesome. And they understand English. Like you would, they, they understand it better than they can speak it, so they laugh at every joke. Nothing goes over their heads. They don't have to change any references. I really loved uh, the European tour. It was, That's uh, it was cool, great.
0: because if you're doing a place of like 300 seats, even if it's a primarily uh, you know, German or Polish-speaking country, there's going to be enough people that speak English that can come to your show.
1: Mhm. Yeah. A lot of expats, you know, and like, and they, they all say they got comedy ten years ago. YouTube is what did it for them. So they uh, all they have these stand up comedy scenes that are all ten years old, and they're all like, they're t- they're like bad for for people do, doing it ten years old. They're still hacky. You know they're mm-hmm. like a generation away from from getting good. But I remember in Warsaw they were like, "This is a historic day for Polish comedy." Like you're wow. the first American comic, like big American comic, to come here and do a show. And now I think Burr's going there, uh, or may, maybe just went there. Uh, but they're uh, they're getting more and more people. Warsaw,
0: what is Poland like?
1: W- honestly, uh, we like got into the airport, f- saw our luggage was wasn't there, went straight to the gig, went on stage. Uh, went to the hotel, and the next morning flew to Budapest. Like, we didn't get to see any of Warsaw or do anything there. That was one of those cities that was just – there was just nothing to do. But when I had my old Comedy Central show, The Jeselnik Offensive, someone at Comedy Central says, listen, we can look at Google and tell you where you're Googled all around the world. America, by far the most. Canada, close second. And then, war- and then uh, Poland is number three. And I'm like, Poland, why? And they go, they think you're Polish. You look, you look Polish. They think you, they assume you're Polish. So I'm like, let's book a show there and have all these people come out. And whoever told me that fucking lied to me. Like they they were like, what? We don't think you're Polish. Like, why would you think you're Polish? Like, no, we don't give a shit. I don't know who's told you that. So well, what was, is Jeselnik? Slovenian.
0: Oh. Uh, yeah. Do you ever go there?
1: No, never been. Never. Why, been. why don't you do a show there? It, it was. It's kind of. Um, I think I. Th- thought about it but it was just like routing you know what i mean it's Mm. like do i want to deal with what i have to deal with to get to slovenia when i can just go you know from do
0: australia at all
1: yeah i just just did australia i did like a i did a few weeks like one week at the very end of the tour what'd you do i did uh brisbane adelaide uh melbourne and sydney
0: melbourne and sydney is the only places i've done but it's fucking amazing they're they're
1: great i love those too yeah if the world
0: war three hits and th- that place doesn't get nuked. That's the spot. You think so? Yeah, it's on the other side of the planet.
1: Wasn't there a book though, where like that happens, and everyone goes to Australia, but there is like a cloud of radiation coming that's eventually going to get them? <sighs> oh, fuck.
0: Maybe we just get a big fan, blow that shit to Russia.
1: I bet that would work. <laughs> Not for the, the giant fan.
0: <laughs> Look, if they can figure out how to nuke an entire country with a, a few bombs they drop out of airplanes or shoot out of rockets, They should be able to build a giant fan. Build a big fan. Yeah. Why is that so hard? Like, I was reading this shit about space junk. Do you know how much space junk there is? Like, there's stuff there floating around in space. Like, thousands of pieces of shit just it's, flying around. Broken satellites and it, parts. It,
1: is it all just broken satellites? or like All
0: kinds of shit. Yeah. All kinds of stuff. Stuff from, you know, like, when rockets take off and then they eject and they leave little pieces of stuff up in there. And, and, and is it, like, in
1: a ring? Like, a, like it's like a Saturn-type ring? Or is it just everywhere?
0: It's everywhere. Yeah. It's all over the planet. It's like it's it's in the sky like it's in the ocean. It's like there's pieces of shit just flying around above our head. And, like, they have to be cognizant about it if they're going to launch a rocket. Yeah. Like, you could run into it. Space debris and human spacecraft. They all travel at speeds up to 17,500 miles an hour. More than 500,000 pieces of debris or space junk are tracked as they orbit Earth, Think of that. They travel at speeds up to 17,500 miles an hour. Small enough for a relatively small piece of orbital debris to damage a satellite or a spacecraft. I mean, that's Fuck. Like, they not all that big. That's
1: yeah. how, uh, what was yeah. that movie with Sandra Bullock? That's
0: yeah. how that starts. Gravity? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't, Isn't the space that?
2: junk yeah. that go, comes satellite across? Yeah, they're like fixing a satellite and something comes by and like it hits nicks them. it and the next thing you know. Yeah.
0: Like, Fuck. That shit can happen. And they don't know what to do either. Like to throw a net up there? What are you going to do?
2: I'm thinking like some kind of
1: like magnet satellite Mm. that would just attract everything. Right.
0: But then it would probably get too heavy.
2: I think it would probably take out (laughs) things that you needed still. Yeah. Is this the junk that we can track? Over time. It starts in 57. (laughs) There's only two things out there and
0: then Oh, God. We're gross. (laughs) (laughs) We're so gross. I bet the ocean's a similar similar story. Wow. Look at all the shit around. The ocean's even worse. Oh, my God. That's incredible. That's all real? I don't know. 2015, <laughs> the YouTube. entire low inner, like, near-Earth orbit is covered with shit. Space debris. <clears throat> Satellites and nonsense. I mean, at what point in time? I mean, we've only been traveling into space since the 1960s, right? So what? when is this going to end? Like, that's that's not that long ago. That's 50-plus years ago. What yeah. are they going to do when it's 100 years from now, 500 years from now? I mean, what, are we going to be able to see the sun? We're going to just look up and... Just see space shit floating overhead.
2: It said it was only five hundred thousand pieces of the Earth's pretty fucking big. Still, we'd have to get
0: a yeah, lot.
2: I guess. Like I had a snap effect that it said if you dug a hole through the Earth, it would take you forty-two minutes to fall through it. It's like how fucking big is that? It's That's a, a long long drop. fall. Yeah, it's a long fall. Also, then I was thinking, would you stop in the middle? You'd die. You'd How'd, get cooked. I know, but in theory. But if you, you didn't, yeah. yeah.
0: If it was just a tube, a zero temperature or neutral temperature tube. I wonder how like how accurate Snapple facts really have to be. Like, <laughs> is anyone ever called bullshit on a Snapple fact? <laughs> like, I don't drink that shit, no. so I don't read those things. I didn't even know they had Snapple facts until you just said that. What? I didn't. They used to have, like, little things on the caps. Like, you say it, it makes sense to me, but I don't think I've ever read one of them. I used to always read them. No, really?
1: Yeah. I can't remember any of them. You ever
0: get angry? How a snapple fact?
1: No. I have gotten mad at like a Bazooka Joe comic. It's like this fucking... Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. Is, this
0: is bullshit. They phone it in sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Big time. Well, comics in general, I think is some... Like, there's great comics. There's really funny comics. But then there's comic strips that have existed forever, and they're fucking terrible. Mm-hmm. And for some reason or another, they just still exist. Oh, yeah. Do they anymore, though? Like, is there still a sec I haven't read a newspaper, like a physical print newspaper. I think it's smaller
1: and smaller uh, th- than it ever has been before. But, like, they're still cranking out Garfield, you know?
0: Garfield's still a thing?
1: Yeah. And the guy, Jim Davis, created yeah. Garfield? It has nothing to do with it. He's, like, golfing and, like, collecting money. And, <sighs> and he's got ghostwriters. So it's just, like, the worst shit ever.
0: Oh, wow. So yeah. he hires people to do it, and he makes all the money. Mm-hmm. He's probably worth a billion dollars. Oh, I, I guarantee.
1: The, well, the the merchandise those fucking things you stick on your car alone. Remember how those were everywhere? Yeah. That like the, yeah. It's all that's why the, the Calvin and Hobbes guy would never let them make toys of Calvin and Hobbes. Really? He sold the books, yeah.
0: He didn't want that money? Uh, Calvin and Hobbes blood he money. He didn't
1: want he didn't want his creation being like he didn't want to be like Jim Davis. You know. Mm. That's why I think the best like the best comic ever, uh Got to be Gary Larson's The Far Side. Those things fucking hold up. Did you ever read those back in the day? He retired yeah, a long time ago. No, that's but they're good still stuff. Great,
0: right? And then who did Doonesbury?
1: The, that's like the political one, right? Trudeau. Still, is that his name? Maybe. Yeah.
0: Gar- what the fuck? Who the fuck was? Is it Trudeau? Yeah. What's his first name? Yeah, Gary. Gary Trudeau. Yeah, Isn't that, that right. what's the name? The guy who runs Canada. Justin. Justin. That guy.
1: Yeah, I never got Doonesbury. I never, like, it was, like, too clever. I was just, like, okay, they're, like, I guess they're taking down Ronald Reagan or something, but mm-hmm. I don't know what the fuck they're talking about.
0: Doonesbury's weird, too, because they basically, they pigeonholed Hunter S. Thompson and turned him into this. They had a character that they were doing. I think he wound up suing them. Yeah, yeah there's his character. It's yeah. basically the exact same guy, just slightly different, and he was always, like, shooting off guns and doing a bunch of crazy shit. I forget his name. I forget the name of the guy. They, they gave him a different name, like Uncle something or another. Yeah. But that was their, I mean, that was Gary Trudeau's take on Hunter S. Thompson, and it wound up driving Hunter S. Thompson nuts. Is this still real? He's still doing, like, he's doing Trump? This That's 2017. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I no think he's kidding. Still around. Wow. Yeah, but he, um, so he created this character that was basically the most exaggerated versions of Hunter S. Thompson when Hunter S. Thompson was fucking around. And it sort of defined who Hunter S. Thompson was to a lot of people. Because instead of being this brilliant journalist who, you know, this great writer, he also became this kind of like guy who just shoots guns and is always drunk. Yeah. You know? And then you fall into that trap. <clears throat> I think comedians that have a persona – like, oftentimes, fall, like, you know, Dice, that's not, you know, his real name is Andrew Silverstein. Mm-hmm. And the Dice character was a part of his act. He had a bunch of different things. He would do impressions. I would do a
1: Travolta impression? Yeah. yeah,
0: Phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal Travolta impression. And then the Dice Man became, like, a part of his act. And then he just decided that's the best part. So I'm just going to do Dice all the time. And then he decided, you know what? Fuck living like a regular person. was going to be Dice mm-hmm. all the time. So he became the guy in his act. I mean, that's who he is, like, most of the time. Oh, yeah. 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 Kinnison, Kinnison, had a similar, similar situation.
1: I never met Kinnison. Kinnison. I mean, he died well before I got into stand-up. But I've never met Dice. And I've always, like, sang his praises. Like, I think The Day the Laughter Died is one of the greatest <laughs> comedy albums of all time. Uh, and, uh, and I've just never met him. He's great. Yeah. I'll introduce you next time I see him at the store if you're there. I've heard great stories. He must, like... He must know who I am. Oh, he for sure. He must be aware. Yeah, yeah. I once did Governors. What if he wasn't? Will you be mad? I wouldn't be mad. I would be surprised just because I've spoken about him publicly that, like, mm-hmm. if he was if he was wondering why he sold, like, a thousand copies of The Day the Laughter Died after I, like, talked about it on a yeah. podcast, like, he would hear that. Yeah. Now if someone says something nice about you, you find out. Um, but, uh uh, I was at Governor's once, and they were like all proud. They were like, Dice was here last weekend, and he left one of his gloves. You know, the fingerless <laughs> gloves. And I was just like, Give it to me. Like, what do I have to do to take this glove home? That I like still have it. I like wear it around. Wear it around sometimes. It's fun. Do you wear it and write jokes with it? Oh, I will like. I will walk around like just uh, doing doing little doing little O's. But smoking it's smoking uh,
0: cigarettes like this. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, love love dies. But those characters, when guys get l- lumped into a character, when you get locked into that, it can be very self defining. You know, of course, for, for Kinison I think it was very self defining. Oh, big time. I
1: mean, I, I thought about that when I was like creating my persona, it was like, what's going to age well, mm. you know, like, uh, not like I think of a guy like Nick Swartzen, you know, who's just like party all the time. Like, like, like he's a college kid forever. Right. It's like, that, how long can you do that for? You right. know what I mean? It's like still kind of has to do it and it's still great, but I'm like, are you enjoying this? Mm-mm. You know, like I want to be able to like, kind of hold on
0: to my dignity. You know, who's the best a, version of it? Emo Phillips. Yes. That's the best example, because it's like, wow. Because like, when he was a young, sort of cute guy, it was kind of strange to watch him do comedy like this. When you're 60, though, and you're doing that, people are like, hey, man, this is just weird. Yeah. Like, Bobcat talked about that. Like, that Bobcat had this moment where he stopped being Bobcat. And people are like, hey, man, how come you're not doing the scream? He's like, fuck you. <laughs> I'm not doing it he told me the best story ever he said he's in uh
1: he's at a comedy works in denver doing a weekend and he's eating shit every show and every show he's just bombing and everyone's going do the voice do the voice and he's like no i'm not i don't do the voice anymore i'm not doing the voice late show saturday uh someone in the back yells "Uh, we're from aurora do the voice for us and he goes oh you're from aurora at least you learned to sit in the back and he said, and this is like a year after the, the, the shootings, the, the shooting. movie theater. Yes, a year after that, and he said the entire audience, the entire audience, just pretended he didn't say it. They didn't boo. They didn't laugh. They just acted like nothing had happened. And he did the rest of the show, and he said it made the whole weekend worth it for him. <laughs>
0: to say that just to say that yeah dude i was speaking of which i was watching a video today you know how youtube for whatever reason just starts recommending things and you click on it watching a video today on oh this is what it was i was looking at bulletproof clothing for whatever reason because i was like i saw an ad on instagram where this guy had a bulletproof hoodie on, and it looked like a regular hoodie, and he shot himself. Is it like a John Wick situation, where it's like... Yes. It's like, it's like sewn in, in, in between yeah. the fabric? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this guy had a regular hoodie, and he shot himself in the gut with a, a 9 millimeter, just bang, while, while he was playing this video, with like a regular hoodie. I was like, this is crazy. And this hoodie, it looked like a regular hoodie, but it's some sort of Kevlar or something. So then it recommends this next thing, and this next video that I watch is on whether or not you should carry with a bullet in the chamber. So it's this guy who's just speculating, like, that there's two kinds of people. There's the kind of people that thinks they're going to have enough time to rack a bullet, and there's a bunch of people that realize that when something happens, it's like being in a car accident. It happens quickly, and you've got to be prepared. You're not going to have enough time to rack a bullet. And so there was this long discussion as to whether or not you should have a bullet in the chamber or not when you conceal carry. And he was talking about how this guy was open carrying, but he could see that the guy's, the hammer was shut down on the pistol, which means he was going to have to cock it because it was a, uh, a, rev- a, not a revolver, but a, you know, a, whatever, an automatic, a semi. What, what is it when, the, what is it when you call, what do you call one of those when you have to load it like that? Like a nine it's millimeter, a like a I Glock. What is the difference? Well, one's a revolver. a Revolver revolves. So it's not a revolver. It's just a pistol. Sure. Anyway, he was saying because of the way the hammer was, he could tell that this guy, uh, you know, he was going to have to pull that hammer back. He was going to use that gun. And I was like, this is this is like next level thinking. Like these people, everywhere you go, someone's worrying about shooting you. And then I go on to Twitter, almost like this is synchronicity. And Eric Weinstein, who's a friend of mine, says, is this the, the year where the debate is some, something in the terms of, uh, is it appropriate to bring a loaded gun into a place where you worship now to protect yourself? Because there's been so many attacks on people in synagogues and churches and mosques. And I'm like, fuck, man.
2: Probably.
0: Probably. What, what is happening here? It's, I mean, it's bad. I don't, I'm not like I'm
1: not, like a, I'm not a gun There's two more guy. today. What do you mean?
0: There's two more attacks today. At synagogues? There was, one was in a church. What were the ones that, uh, that happened today? There was two smaller ones. There was, no, it was, there, was, there was the church that was in San Diego this weekend. No, the, the, uh, the synagogue in San Diego this weekend. But there was another one. Like there's this morning when I was reading the news. Yeah,
2: uh, in Los Angeles.
0: Yes. Yeah. What was uh, it? A
2: former 26-year-old US Army soldier served in Afghanistan has been charged with plotting terror attacks in Los Angeles area. Uh, rally in Long Beach. So it's on it's on the front page of, CNN, right? you got now, some, sort of like, the C. It's like some the, sounds the,
0: leaking through yes, that. the video.
2: Did he them. do something or did he just got caught plotting? It says he was accused of targeting Jews as they walked to a synagogue, police officers, a military facility and crowds at the Santa Monica pier.
0: I think there was another one too. There was another one somewhere else. I might have been outside the country today. It's like, fuck. Like, this shit is ramping up. Yeah. It's getting worse and worse. Are you a gun guy? I have guns. I wouldn't say I'm a gun guy, but I have them. Hunting or, like, just a I don't really. I have hunting guns and I have safety guns, like security guns or private, you know, personal protection guns. Mm -hmm. But um, I hunt with a bow and arrow, mostly. Of course, I'm not opposed to. Why do you say "of course"? Being sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not opposed to it. What is this California synagogue attack? San latest. San Diego oh, this is the, the yesterday. They, got, they
2: found a social media message, I guess, right before it happened.
0: <sighs> of course. Okay. Jesus Unless Christ! That's the one you're talking about. No, I don't know. I think there was some another one that I, I saw. I believe it was in another country. That's up, right? all right. It's enough. There's so many. I know. I know. You're just numb to it. Well, also, the, the, they're char- targeting places of worship now. Like, what the fuck, man? Do you have guns? No. Would you ever want one? They make me uncomfortable.
1: Like, yeah. I'm not like against people want to have guns. Okay. I'm not, I'm, it's not on a hill I'm going to die on. But uh, I think what's happening with, with schools and, and, and churches is, uh, is reprehensible. And it's, we are the only country where this really happens, you know, as much not as Not anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's happening, you know, uh, uh, around the world, but it's
0: it's a it happens lot here. much more often here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now there's there's certainly an argument for that. The the real problem is the guns are already there. It's like how do you what do you do when you live in a country of 300 plus million people with 300 plus million guns? Like how do you ever eradicate that? How do you ever how do you shift the path that we seem to be on? Like, what well, do you do? I, I mean, everything is like,
1: you know, people talk about this, and then like, you know, wh- how, how do we do? Wh- what's Is it the culture? Is it, is it the, this? And you, you turn on the TV, and it's like a video game commercial or a commercial for a movie, and it's just a supermodel spinning around in circles, shooting everything she sees. And you're like, do you don't think this is having an effect? Right. Like, they just make it look so cool that if you want to be the hero, you got to have a gun you know
0: how about John Wick John Wick 3 coming John out John Wick's soon. my fucking favorite thing ever and I'm like
1: this is the most the most glorifying gun shit ever but I love it like That's I love problem, it It's
0: a problem, right? It is a problem.
1: I mean it, it has doesn't made me turn to guns. You know I mean I wouldn't say that like video games you know make this uh, video games are are making people more violent. I don't I don't believe that. I don't know if there there's uh, evidence to back that. But I mean I've always loved you know James Bond movies, you know, things like where guns are, are, uh,
0: are a big part of it. And it's never made me want to pick one up. Well, there's a real argument that that alleviates some of the need for violence that people like seeing it and in seeing it and something like John Wick, it actually relaxes people. Mm-hmm. There's a real argument for that. And there's a real argument that you can make with that with video games too, but that is not with everybody. The problem is certain people are very susceptible to influence. They're susceptible, they're vulnerable to being influenced or excited in one particular direction. Whether it's uh, excited to become radicalized and become a white nationalist and want to shoot up, you know, um, whatever, figure out whatever the group is. Or whether it's, you know, there's certain people that, you know... They'll see something in a movie or a video game, and it'll make them want to act that out. But they're usually mentally ill. I mean, that's that's the real problem. The real problem is mental illness. The type of person that could go into a synagogue and just start shooting people, that's a mentally ill person. That's oh, yeah. Regardless of whether or not they have a gun or not, that's a sick person. So we have to figure out, like, what's causing this massive amount of mental illness in this country because that's a big it's that's the guy in aurora is a perfect example that guy was they knew he was sick they they knew there was something really i mean if you see photos of that fucking guy look at his eyes he was completely batshit crazy
1: I think it's something too to like when they, when they, now they've started to refuse to show the guy's face. You know what I mean? They won't show it because like this guy's getting glory now and the next shooter wants to top that. Right. That I think they're getting a little bit smarter about it. But what's the the quote? Uh, No man chooses evil because it's evil. They only mistake it for happiness. Hmm. Like I believe that.
0: Yeah, that's a good quote. Yeah. They mistake it for happiness, or they want other people to feel what they feel. Mm -hmm. They want other people to suffer the way they're suffering. Yeah. With, I mean, when you ever have a giant country filled with people, you're going to have a broad spectrum of people's experiences. And so you're going to have a certain number of people that are on the low end of experiences. The worst experiences all the time. Sexual abuse, physical abuse, violence, mental illness, pills, drugs, this, that. Boom. But like Japan is one of the most unhappy
1: countries in the world. People, the suicide rate is off the charts, Mm -hmm. Uh, but they take themselves out. Yeah. You know, in America, it's like, let me, who can I take with me? Yeah. I don't know what that, what that is.
0: Well, Japan emphasizes humility and uh, they reward it. Like if they emphasize being polite and orderly, it's really interesting. Um, There was a, a, this piece I was watching on YouTube of these people that live in cyber cafes that they have cyber cafes that are open 24 hours a day in japan and they have like these little cubicles that you take in there and they're just online on their computer and they have all their things there and that's where they live and they shower and they go back to their little cubicle but this woman was saying that it made her feel like she wasn't alone but she wasn't with people either like she likes that that like she wants to know that there's people around her but she doesn't want anybody in her life. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oof. this is dark. Yeah. Yeah. That's super fucking dark. Sad. Just the loneliness. Like, that, that's a, a giant issue apparently in Japan is how lonely people are, which is incredibly ironic when you consider that it's probably one of the most population-dense places on earth, in Tokyo at least.
1: Oh, yeah. I think they're just working their asses off. I mean, they fucking love to jump in front of trains. They live for it. Like it really is like the the of countries it's it's the least happy country in the world. Wow, and I think number like the happiest is like someone in Scandinavia. Norway, yeah, yeah, Sweden or some shit. Yeah, yeah,
0: Finland. I think Finland like ranks very highly on that. Yeah, why is that?
1: It, it, the, the the thing I was watching said it was like a sense of community. I think the like a lot of them are... live together and like they eat their meals together as like a neighborhood almost, and they just like everyone contributes and they're just happy
0: and content that makes sense the numbers are smaller too Mm -hmm. i think that that helps also it's gorgeous up there that helps too Mm -hmm. it's a lot of factors there right yeah like what's a big city in finland helsinki how many people is that 50 how many people live in helsinki 50 50 people i bet 50 yeah i bet you're right i I would i bet helsinki has 1.2 million people how many people helsinki have that's a wild guess. I don't know why I had to put the point two in there. I'm hedging my bet. Like if I was on the prices right. Yeah, this thing says it's the biggest, but the
2: thing I pulled up doesn't say. The second largest says two hundred seventy-nine thousand. This Whoa. doesn't say what Helsinki does for some
0: reason. Well, it doesn't wow. you can't doesn't if you Google population it's of Helsinki.
2: First, this is the very first thing I had, which was the biggest cities in Finland. I figured it would have had it. Doesn't. Oh, it just Google uh, five fifty-eight. Five hundred
0: fifty-eight thousand. Yeah, that ain't shit. Wow, that's it. That's why they're happy. <laughs> it's basically like four boulders yeah four boulder colorados and it's a whole country yeah yeah you go to boulder some of the nicest people ever why Hundred thousand of them that's Mm -hmm. it hard to build there beautiful 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 gorgeous great people a little on the socialist side but i get it a little too many birkenstocks and tevas and girls could use a little bit more makeup put a little makeup on gals it's not up
1: a little it's not pronounced (laughs) teva I, don't know what the I always fuck thought it was Tivus. Maybe it is Tevas. Oh, I don't know. F- I haven't even heard the word in They're Forever. Got
0: weird leather sandals and shit. But it's a cool place, man. But I think, you know, that's what you get if you live around nature. You get a bunch of fit people that like hiking and shit, a lot of north face jackets. hmm You know? They got great weather. Yeah. Yeah. They really do. They have bl- blizzards and snowstorms and shit, but they also have like you'll it'll be thirty degrees in Denver or Boulder and then the next day it'll be sixty yeah it doesn't make any sense it, would you say Denver's the best comedy town in the country it's up there it's up there I fucking love it there me too I'm going there in August I'm, I'm doing that place again I fucking love it yeah it's one of my pl- favorite places on the planet. Period. Like, if I was going to leave L.A., Denver's one of the spots that I would pick.
1: I think about like when I eventually leave, where would I go? And Denver's, uh, Denver's at the top of the list. I used to want to go to like uh, Seattle or Portland, mm-hmm. and then I read that article, that terrifying article about how like not just the, like the t- everyone talks about the big one earthquake in L.A. They're like, what's really going to fuck shit up is the tsunami that's going to happen on the, that fault line. They're like, Portland and Seattle are going to be gone. With that tsunami,
0: a hundred percent, right? A hundred percent. Yeah, it's just whether it's a hundred years from now or two. Mm-hmm. Jesus, but imagine like, imagine if we wake up one day and Seattle's gone, thirteen million people dead. It goes deep into Washington State, all the way to Tacoma. The ocean goes to Tacoma.
1: <laughs> oh, there, there was an article where they like talked about like what, how it would happen, like what mm. would happen, like
0: minute by minute in Portland with this with this going on. It was just terrifying. Yeah, fuck that too risky also seasonal depression's real oh for sure i have a, a buddy of mine who moved to um he moved to uh, portland and uh started jujitsu school out there and i was like do you like it he goes, like dude i fucking love it i go you don't miss la at all he was like no i go what about the rain is it me." I was like no no it's nothing two years later he's back in la i go what happened he goes the fucking weather i go you liar i go you were trying to convince me you were trying to tell me and he started laughing he's like i'm just convincing myself yeah he bought into it he goes i i go what happened is i came back one time and when it was raining out there and it wasn't rainy here and i was like what am i doing like i'm less happy there like it it makes you less happy if it's raining all the time it makes you less happy oh if yeah rain if you live in la and it rains we're all happy You're like oh this is cool it's raining out oh vitamin d is important mm. it's not just vitamin d either it's just like a feeling you get like, you're going to be cold and wet. You're going to be cold and wet, and you're going to bundle up and get inside. Quickly get inside. Mm-hmm. You can't just be free. You can't be outside sitting in the grass, eating lunch, just looking out and just relaxing. Yeah. I like my hammock. Yeah. Fuck that place. And then fuck places that have, like, too much snow, too. Like, all the people that want to move back to New York, I'm like, you can keep that. Good luck with that.
1: Yeah, that New York the summer and the winters would kill me in New York. Mm-hmm. Like being waiting for the subway
0: when you're just like dripping sweat was just brutal. Dripping sweat with moist piss smell everywhere. Mm-hmm. That m- moisture but that's carrying those Piss odor molecules in the subway. You're like, what in the fuck are you people breathing in down here? And
1: I never got the rubber boots. You know what I mean. I was always just like had mm. sneakers. I'd be like trying to get to, trying to get the Fallon at like seven in the morning, Ugh. walk into the subway through the slush. Ugh. It was like it'd be beautiful while it was snowing, and then as soon as it was on the ground, you were just like, get rid of this shit now. Did you write for Fallon? Uh-huh. Uh huh. What was that gig like? I mean, it was uh, it was frustrating. They didn't like I because I started when he started late night with Jimmy Fallon. So I was one of the first guys there, and they didn't like any of my jokes. <laughs> like it was just it was it was too impossible, mean? too mean or just like this is gonna make Jimmy unlikable. Like it, was, it, it wasn't <laughs> about being funny so much as like coming off as smart and uh, and friendly, you know, and likable. That they That's for, the I why. was there for a year, and then they barely used anything I ever did. Wow. But they knew I was funny, they liked me. And I thought for some reason in my head, I thought that if I quit before a year, that it'll like follow me. People will be like, "What happened with Fallon? Why were you only there a year?" That like and then when I left, it was like no one would have given a shit if I'd left after 10 weeks. You know, wouldn't have mattered at all. Yeah. Um, it was it was good uh, an interesting experience, but I did not enjoy it. Being a writer for other people's voices has got to be very difficult. It's, I mean, for me, it's impossible. It's like I write in my voice, and you either like it or you don't. Like I've written for Jimmy Kimmel, Sarah Silverman, and like, if I loved a the joke, they loved it too. Uh, but with Fallon, it was not the case. You know, mm. it, was, he was, it was almost never. Like he, might, he, he would laugh at the joke, but he'd be like, I can't say this. Ah! You know, I can't do it.
0: What are they trying to do? Like, what, what is he trying to do? He's trying to be like middle America. Like, there's a, a market for that, right? Is that what it is? He just wants everyone to love him. You know, he mm. just wants everyone to uh
1: everyone to love him. That's like not a bad trait to have in a late night host.
0: Right. Probably the best trait to have in a late night host. Mhm. I'd like to see him drunk one day just shitting on everybody though. I think it would be hilarious. It is hilarious. Does I he mean, do that? Oh yeah. <laughs> Cause I mean, I, I, I've heard that he
1: quit drinking. And I, don't, I don't know if that's true, but he would like, he liked to get drunk and like, in like shitty bars and like hang out and, like with the, with the staff and the crew. Like he was, he's like a man of the people and he didn't just want to go home and drink. He wanted to go out and go to some weird bar that was huh. like in a subway that no one knew about and have beers. Like he was a, he was like a fun drunk, you know, but he did it a lot.
0: Uh, yeah. There was always those rumors that he's got a problem. Jimmy mm-hmm. Fallon's got a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that's like the pressure of just being this like super friendly, sweet guy on TV, wanting everybody to love you? That you're like, oh my God, get me a fucking drink so I can cut loose. I'm, I'm, I think that could be part of it.
1: You know, that's why I was, I always thought like with my persona, like let's be the meanest person you can so that you, it, you can, it allows you to be nice off stage. You know, you got, you kind of, it gives you a little bit of distance. But the guys who come off as like your best friend on stage tend to be monsters
0: off stage. Some of them, man. Yeah. Yeah. I got another story I'll tell you when we get off the air about Great. one of those. Great. Um, well, let's wrap this fucking thing up, man. Um, your special, it's out tonight at midnight. Yeah. What's it called? Fire in the Maternity Ward. And you have jesus <laughs> yeah once you think of that title you got to go with it yeah, every, every now and then when someone says you a title of a special and you have to whoa that was one of those so you yeah, got me yeah. um you have several though so if, um what are the other ones that are available on netflix now
1: uh thoughts and prayers is on netflix fire in the maternity Award comes out tonight uh, i've got a podcast on uh comedy central called the jessel nick and rosenthal vanity project
0: oh that's right yeah who is it with
1: my friend Greg Rosenthal is an NFL analyst we've been best friends since college so we just kind of like we're supposed to talk about sports but we just fuck around like we never cool talk about sports yeah it's fun beautiful
0: All right. well uh, good luck good luck with the special thanks Thanks, for doing this man appreciate you yeah great to finally be be here yeah for sure and uh, I can't recommend his comedy enough for real if you're a fan of stand up comedy Anthony Jeselnik is the shit so thank you sir thank you Joe bye everybody done.